you primitive screwheads listen up i got news for you pal you ain't leading but two things right now jack and shit jack left town well hello mr fancy pants I was just in my office and I heard a rush. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? I'm in my prime. First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow.
bad. I'm the guy with the gun. All right, DJ Anubis. And DJ Neko. Here with you, Metal Tavern Radio. The Hordes of Chaos, episode 112 on the Metal Tavern Radio podcast. That's a mouthful. It is. How are you? I'm Busy, I know. I know, I know. I'm... The problem is, there are only 24 hours in the day, and I overschedule myself for everything. And, like, today, when I was working... I really had a couple of goals in mind of, of things that I've kind of put on the back burner while I got a couple of them done. And I was telling you I was trying to finish something up and my computer just kept giving me shit and I'm like, oh. PC loader. PC loader, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> so I was getting really irritated and I'm like, finally, I, I just messaged my boss. I said, I'm done. It's me. I'm done. The computer's done. Everything's done. And I, 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 I am not a cat. I I'm am done. not a cat. I was just like, you know, I don't know how you are, or, but like, you know when you just fuck with something for like 45 minutes and it's almost like a matter of principle? You're like, this is this, for me it was, it was something super simple. Very inexpensive order that I was trying to authorize. I'm like, come on, come on, come on computer, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And it's so simple that it should have just went through like that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no. So, uh, I just, I I chalked it up to I got a lot accomplished today. You heard me. I was up there wheeling and dealing and, you know, being me. And I, I feel like if I couldn't get that one, it was just, I felt like at the end of the day, I wanted just to wrap it all up and just that one order. Yeah, it's one of those things that just, it's gotta wait. It'll wait till tomorrow. I mean, honestly... Not the end of the world. Nope. A um, lot of new music in this episode, of course. Neko's Pick of the Week in the Rock Block. I'm really excited about my Pick of the Week because, um, God, many, many years ago, you and I attended a concert where this band was playing and we could have passed. Could have passed by each other. They're like ships sailing in the night. <laughs> and it, it just kind of cracks me up because I think there have been a couple of shows like that where you're like, yeah, I was at that show and I'm like, were you really? Because I know, I feel like we were always been drawn together. <laughs> I know that's so nerdy. It's kind of like what I said to you yesterday and I was like, it's always just me and you, baby. And you're like, yeah, always. I'm like, what the fuck? That's from Harry Potter. Never mind. <laughs> um, some of the new stuff we got, uh, new brand new stuff from Primal Fear. Uh, also, new Fear Factory. Uh, this is the track I have is actually the last one with Burton Bell. So Oh, well they, then. So they do have a new record coming out, but this is apparently the last track that he actually sang on for oh, them. Oh, wow. Um, also, I just got news Uh-oh. about 15 minutes ago. Uh-oh. Because, they, well, they've been keeping things quiet. Um, I don't know. No Moss. Has got signed to a label, <gasps> and uh, they will be going to California soon to record the new record, <gasps> and of course have a tour. Apparently, they have a pretty good tour package in mind once everything opens back <gasps> up. Uh, what I didn't expect is they now have a new bassist, so Ben is no longer in the band. Ben, um, but they do have a new bassist. Uh, 
John says that they get along really well. Everyone's top notch, and he get, he previewed a couple of demo tracks for him for the new record. And I'm just like, <laughs> I could taste the napalm death on my lips. I think um, if sometimes what what happens a lot with musicians when um, you know we talked about it with Blake, it's hard to get people to tour and maybe that just was what happened with ben you know well he told me a little bit why they actually fired him in december oh well i didn't you didn't have to say that i just i thought maybe they they i mean they you know it wasn't any specifics but you know basically it was just it didn't work out but i'm I'm assuming they're still good friends and whatnot i mean I, i don't think it was anything really shitty or anything like that that i know of but um the new music uh, is a little bit more death and a little bit thrashy in there, so they're still a bit grind in there, but not as much. So it's a bit more death metal-y going that direction. That's so, fun. Yeah. Um, also, also um, what? I know that myself and Echo have been invited to join a couple of YouTube shows oh in the future. Oh my god! Uh, one is Tony of the Dead, who uh, hopefully. I think we're going to be doing a weekly. I'm not sure how often he's going to do it, but weekly. I mean, I know next Friday is like the first verses for horror. Like apparently the whole Howling American Wolverine thing kicked something off in Tony's head, and I'm in agreement with him. Like I think there needs to be more of that. But you know, Samurai does a lot of different things, mainly martial arts and action films and whatnot. That doesn't so. mean we don't like martial arts and action. No, no, not at all. But like that, Tony is that's his specialty. He loves horror movies and stuff. So. Uh, when he came to me about that, I was like, yeah, I'm on board. Let's let's do it. Uh, now, also, Samurai has also contacted me about doing one of his shows. <gasps> well, so, you're fucking famous, dude. I'm not famous. And then I'm going to go on and make a fool of myself. But, well. But it'll be fun. Uh, I'll, just, I, I'll just sit next to you and be your sidekick. Well, that's, yeah. Uh, but, you know, they're a lot of fun. These are cool guys. They, they have are great really shows. Cool. And, uh. They put really good shows together and whatnot, so I'm really excited. I'm still hoping to get together with Sentry at some point and talk a little bit of Godzilla stuff, but I know he's got a lot of other shit going on right now. Um, but, yeah, eventually that's going to happen, so be looking at on the horizon. I'm excited for you. Um, we'll be talking a little bit about the Episode 4 of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to unpack there with that. I've got a lot of entertainment news oh, uh, yeah? regarding Batman, Mortal Kombat, Fast and Furious 9, um, and of course the retro movie You could movie be like vault. your own Hollywood reporter. Yeah, right? Uh, the movie revolt, uh, the retro movie vault. I had a Is that what we're calling it? The, that's the official name? Yeah. I think we need to get like a little, you know, entrance music for I do it. have it. Yeah, we need a better one. Oh, fuck. Like, you know... We're not professionals here. <laughs> it's the we same do, movie. We, we do it our way. Um, I'm although I'm very you. excited because as we were watching it, Neko was having to change her heart a little bit, so I'm really happy about Yeah, that. until the end, and then I changed my mind back. <laughs> I remembered when it, when it just kept going on and on and on and on. But it was so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whatever. And we're going to talk some NFL draft with Edgar Allan Poet, who we'll be getting in touch with. That's our buddy. About an hour or so from here. Um, yeah, so it's he, he 
wanted to talk some stuff. Might even talk to him after the draft, you know, depending on what Denver does. But uh, so he wanted to contact us and get get back on air. And we're like, sure, man, let's do it. Let's talk some foosball. Get it all rolling because we know the draft's coming up, and I really haven't been paying much attention. But. Me either, and I feel bad because I usually always am like following the twitters and stuff. And of the... well, it's literally next week, mm-hmm. and like I just it just has you always do mock drafts. Yeah, and you haven't no. done anything. You actually signed up for a paid mock draft. Was well, it last year or the year before? Speak, yeah, yeah. I, I've done a few like weeks ago, but. The reality is I haven't followed it as much. And outside of what they've been talking about with Denver, I haven't really paid much attention. Mm. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit as we get to that point. Got a lot of stuff from some of the promotional sites and uh, labels that we work with. So I'm happy to do that as well. And this first block, I got some stuff from Horror Pain, mm-hmm. Mike Giuliano, mm-hmm. um, Hard Life Promotions as well. But we're going to kick off some classic Anthrax from their, some of their latest releases. This is All Them Thieves. All Them Thieves. <laughs>
behave like animals. Violent, territorial, animals.
everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer, Hate Beak, and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. Get into it now! I swear, I, I'm i such a nerd, and I'm okay with being a nerd. I just, like, I, um, sorry, I'm turning my phone off because it was beeping at me. Um, I love all of the old, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. And I think it is just because of... Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! So, um... <laughs> so when Austrian Death Machine came out, it was, like, the happiest, like, album ever. And it, it didn't and matter. Tim, Tim does all the, the actual impersonations. That's, which is pretty, that's amazing and at, hysterical yeah. at the same time. Yeah, it was, um... Was it on triple, triple? The last one he did. Uh, there's always like these little cutscenes in between each song. You never got to hear it all, but when I was listening to the record when it came out, I was like laughing my ass off because he just had all the the, inter, the intermission parts to it, doing all the Arnie stuff, and I'm just like laughing so hard. I'm like, that's good stuff there, man. You have to really sit and listen to it because it's just such a riot. But yeah, Blake probably should have went with that at the end of that. So. I don't think he even really Get, realized. No, he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> no! Get into it now! Uh, so, we so. had a chance to uh, watch episode four of the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, and it's obviously getting far more serious now. <laughs> with, uh, what is it, uh, Walker, who is taking over the Captain America... Identity. Yeah, he's like the mouthpiece. He was he was not like given the shield. Uh, Sam was given the shield, and then he gave Sam gave it to the museum, and then of course, and then of course they wanted to get Captain America's ass back out there. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse they need, me. They need that propaganda. Mm-hmm. So they thought they had just like a good old American boy. They just wanted somebody's face to like flash around. I'm sure that's really what they wanted. They just wanted... Well, his background, you know, he has medals of honor and stuff. That's, so yeah, that's great. They just wanted... He also has PTSD. Mm-hmm. And up until this point, he had been just your normal soldier. It was He wasn't super soldier in any way. Uh, but, Except for his own achievements. Like, right. he, he, you know... Like, I mean, he knew how to fling that, that shield around a little bit, so that kind of helped him out, but... Uh, this episode changed a lot of things for Mr. Walker because as they're chasing the Flag Smasher, that's between him, uh, his partner, who I guess might be named Battlestar, mm-hmm. but uh, his name is Lamar. Uh, you also have Sam and, uh, of course, uh, Bucky, Bucky the, the Winter Soldier, trying to find Carly, who is the leader of the Flag Smashers, a little group of super soldiers would have taken serum and they've been using it to try to help their people and of course hurt other people in the process to Well they believe right they believe that it was better before the blip, right? Are they one of the blip yeah, blippers? Yeah. yeah. Is that the, what we're calling them? The, the blippers. blippers. <laughs> blip supporters. The blip supporters because I I think I know I know this is going to sound kind of like wrong 
But I get it to a point because you got to think there was a lot of time that passed, wasn't it? Five years. Mm-hmm. So every you know you go through this traumatic experience, and everybody sort of started banding together and learning how to deal with this is how we're going to run things now and there's less people so there's less manufacturing and then there's less food and less housing and less cars there's less everything and then all of a sudden five years later everybody comes back except for the people who naturally died in those five years that through just natural aging and progression So then, five years later, boom, people just poof back. And that's really great if you were somebody who got poofed and you didn't want to be poofed. But then you're missing five years of what happened, so you don't really understand. And now everything is congested because they don't have the infrastructure to support what's going on in, in society now. There's, it's just, you had, it had, it was, did, what percentage? Was it half? Like half the people? At least 50%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you think that uh, having that many people taken away actually creates a lot of space, but there's also a lot of trash, a lot of um, jobs that, you know, things that we were relying upon as humanity that you can't really run anymore. So, like, you're down a lot of people. So, I mean, there's pros and cons to it, and obviously this group... I uh, saw it as a pro because they were allowed to open up the borders. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really a lot of war going on. Everyone was just coming together. And that's, I think, what they, they are angry about is, you know, we were all, as humanity, working together instead of working against each other. And then when everybody showed back up, it was kind of like division again. Yeah, I mean, they probably saw it as once the blip happened, they were able to after some time assume somebody's house like if you were homeless you all of a sudden had a house because there was just no one there that no one could claim it nothing you can walk in and actually literally they basically became squatters but you could still be working a job doing whatever and still take over someone's home like i'm sure i'm assuming that's how kind of this worked and that's why they liked it because for once they didn't when they didn't have anything when there were so many people all of a sudden they had the ability to go and get food and get like you know housing and they didn't have to live out in the streets and random stuff like that the problem that sam has with this of course is that they're the way that they're going about it they're they're killing innocent people in the process bombings and carly's saying this is the only way you can get through to them um at one point, Sam tries to talk to Carly one on one without any fighting, and he seems to be kind of reaching her. She understands him, and he understands her, obviously. Uh, but this is where Walker, who is just kind of losing himself a little bit uh, in his own mind because of the PTSD, and mm-hmm. like you know, he, he's impatient. He he wants to arrest her, so he interrupts. He's also them. yeah. I was gonna say he's also very. Insecure. Yeah, yeah. He is Captain America, but he is not Captain America. He's not Rogers. Yeah, everybody's like, it's not Steve Rogers, so you're not the real Captain America. And I think that's kind of part of it. Is like he's very insecure. He's trying to make up because he's not a super soldier. So he's trying to like you know swing his dick around and show (laughs) his authority by being like, listen. I mean, he has fans. I mean, there are clearly people who see him and like, oh, yeah, hi, hi, can I get an autograph? Yada, yada, yada. 
but there's a moment where I can't remember their names, but they're part of the uh, uh, Wakanda. Um, the fighters from there, and you know, they've been keeping an eye on Bucky because of you know his past, and they helped him deal with that and whatnot. So they come looking because they've they have Zemo. They, they they've got Bucky. I think they reverse engineered his. Uh, what do you call it? Um, programming. Yeah, the programming, whatever, in his brain. And I think they actually know how to control him. Maybe, but... I, know, that's the impression I was getting watching it. But Sam and Bucky, you know, they, they, you know, they get Zemo, who was responsible for the Civil War between the Avengers and, of course, the death of Black Panther's father who was a, a a good leader and whatnot. So, obviously, the fighters of Wakanda are very pissed off. Like, they don't really like the fact that he's out of jail. So now they're coming after him. When they finally confront, you know, Buckingham saying, you know, time's up, we need him because we're going to take care of this ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, Captain America's there, uh, Walker, and uh, he's like, no, no, you know, he's trying to hang out. But then they end up getting into a skirmish while Zemo escapes. And at the end of that fight, you know, Walker's kind of like, it goes back to what he's saying, he's so insecure because he just got his ass kicked by a regular human who's just a really good fighter. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to sneak out the uh, super soldier serum. Right. So Walker's like, you know, I just lost to someone who wasn't even a super soldier. And anyway, uh, after he interrupts Sam and Carly in a discussion, there's a chase that goes on. And at one point, Zemo catches up with Carly, shoots her, and the serum vials drop. And he starts smashing them. He's trying to get rid of them because he doesn't want any more of them, obviously. Uh, later on, though, Walker discovers there's still one left, hides it, takes it, and talks to his partner, uh, Battlestar Lamar, uh, and asks him, like, if he had a chance to take the serum, would it? There's, like, this little discussion, and... And Mars like, fuck yeah, <laughs> you know, I'd rather have a good chance to fight what's out there than not. So we don't actually see Walker take it, but we come across later on where they're again in, in pursuit of Carly and company. And, uh, you know, obviously Walker is taking it by then because he's kind of like trying to talk to himself. Like, come on, come on, come through, come do your stuff, whatever you're going to do. Um, But then there's a point where... Because Carly and the rest of the Flag Smashers, you know, their goal is to kill Captain America because they want to send a message and, you know, take out their puppet, I guess, or mm -hmm. their mascot, as they would call it. And once they do that, uh, Carly, in an attempt to try to hit Captain America, actually hits Lamar, who ends up smashing into a pillar and, and dies on the scene. And, of course, there's this moment where Walker's walking over to him, trying to get him to wake up. And it, 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 everyone there knows shit's going to get real because they've already discovered that Walker has a serum in his blood. He's already been kind of beating up guys and hanging with them. Uh, but once Lamar goes down, Carly, the rest of the, the Flag Smashers, are, like, looking at each other like, we just fucked up because that dude's pissed. And he, like, jumps out the window right, and goes so down, like, several stories. And Sam and Bucky know that shit's going to get real. So everyone's after Carly. And when Walker gets outside after jumping through the window, 
Uh, he doesn't see Carly, but he sees one of her right-hand men, and he chases him down. And then, as the guy's like, basically like, you know, it's not my fault, I, I surrender, or whatever, uh, Walker starts literally almost decapitating with his shield. And Captain America would never do that, and Steve Rogers was a super soldier. So then, the problem with it is, it's out in the open... Everybody out there, like regular people, are on their iPhones and Androids, and they're recording it, and it's all in public view. Uh, Sam and Bucky uh, witness it, so this is obviously a PR nightmare for America now because of what Captain America has just done. Uh, I just ran into a guy on one of the forums, the groups I was in, uh, who freaked out over some people who were defending Walker, and I, I th you know, the thing is, I can see both sides of it because. We still have to treat Walker as a human being. He just lost his best friend. And we are dealing with a terrorist group. No matter how what their purpose is, they are a terrorist group. So, here it is. He's chasing down the one guy who wasn't directly responsible for Lamar's death, but he was there when it happened and didn't stop Carly either. So, people who are defending Walker here are doing so mainly because they can understand the emotion involved. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean that he's not going to face any consequences because of it. We don't know how the. I think there's two more episodes of this series. I think sometimes, um, you know, you always try to walk a mile in somebody's shoes, as you say, but then, like, you never know what you're going to do. And he's got this super serum going through his veins, and it's brand new. So I almost feel like it's almost like steroids. Like he's roiding out a little well, bit because yeah. he's not used to what this serum can do. Like, and it's messing with his emotions, too. Well, yeah, he's already damaged in some ways because of the wars he's been in and his mindset. So add in everything you just said and put him on steroids basically and that's what you're going to get he now has the ability to to fight these guys and like and in this case he ends up killing one of them you know not even giving a shit and not even like accidentally it was very very like well, he, retribution for his friend yeah kind of it thing. wasn't it didn't matter who he's going to catch even if he was after Carly initially it, it was just a matter of he wanted one of them that's all that mattered he just wanted he wanted blood yeah he wanted to just get involved and go and take care of business and fuck somebody up and he did and he did and now it kind of ended on that with everybody recording him and we're kind of like I, I just wonder like I, I really wonder what is how you're going to take that forward like it's exciting a little bit because now it's, you've got this new Captain America and you're kind of like, okay, did he just fuck himself? Is he now going to be fired? Is he a vigilante? Is he, like... Yeah, I can't imagine, like... I imagine they would strip him of his shield, but then he'd probably go on to do something else. He may be a vigilante, and that might be... Because at this point, even if he gets fired from America... Uh, He's still gonna probably go after her for what happened with Lamar. So he's probably he's he no he doesn't have to answer anybody really. He's a super soldier. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Um, so now maybe he's gonna be like. But now you, if you're Sam and Bucky, you've got two things to worry about: the mm -hmm. terrorists well, and that's, this guy. Well, that's that's what Carly was saying. She's got the serum, you know, supplier plus these guys, you know, uh, Sam and Bucky. Well, on she's her referring ass. to the broker power. That's broker. what I'm saying. And they're the ones that initially gave her the serum, so. We know that the leader of the power broker or whatever is dead, but there's someone still pulling strings, so 
how and why they gave her the serum to begin with. We don't know that answer yet, but there's a lot of unanswered questions, but obviously the show is taking a darker turn, and uh, it's going to be interesting going forward. I don't know how... I know that from reading that this follows some of the comic book stuff, but I don't know if yeah, I've Walker... Never, yeah, I've never read those comic books. So I don't know if Walker ends up becoming some other character, uh, but they say that he is someone who's involved with this whole... This is really interesting. It really is. And I like... I... I grew up kind of nerdy and reading comic books and all the Marvel stuff and from where it was when I was 12 collecting X-Men and Marvel cards and getting the comic books and just you know just you're lucky if you got the X-Men cartoon and then now we kind of fast forward and it's turned it's not just like a kid's thing it's not just a nerd's thing they've taken and and made all of this into characters that you care about with spin-offs and actual backstories that regular people and and again I stopped really paying attention to comic books when I was in high school so there's a lot of stuff that they're pulling from that I don't even know about right there's just so much in there I mean I've never really read the comic books so everything is new to me in terms of how it's put together I just knew that when I first saw Winter Soldier I liked it, I didn't even know that he was actually going to be, uh, one I didn't know he was really Bucky, but two I didn't even know he was going to be that much involved with the franchise so mm -hmm. I was kind of happy when that happened um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens here because obviously Sam turned down the shield initially I don't think, even if they remove Walker from the Captain America status, I'm not sure if America's going to go and rush out and get a new one in place. Because, um, you know, you're talking about, now we're talking about the trust of the world. I feel like, though, because of how arrogant the U.S. is and the U.S. government, and I say that as an American we are we think and we but we put our nose in every business and we police everything and I guess we do that because we like to have control of what's going on and we feel like if we are the one who's in control then nobody's gonna step to us so they having their own super soldier whether it be like a guy on off the rails or having a Captain America like the government wants to have say in what the Avengers were remember mm -hmm. like that that's what the Civil War was like the government wants to have some kind of say Steve Rogers was completely against all of that but now they've got a Captain America who who can be a puppet for them but are are they gonna try and rein him in, or are they gonna see what he does, or is he gonna go underground? Like it's it's so many. Well, yeah, it's two ways to look at it. One, either they're gonna say, okay, this guy is not fit to be the dude, or they're gonna spin it to the point where they're like, well, he just killed killed a terrorist. So mm -hmm. he killed we a support, terrorist. We, we support we needed Captain him. America. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, he's he's the one who is is controlling this terrorist cell so good for him for getting this guy yeah so it's gonna be interesting how that plays out there all right well we're gonna get into some more music and then hopefully we'll be able to get a hold of mr poet to talk some football he's our buddy isn't he getting out of, of class soon or something yeah, or he should probably be out by now Woohoo! uh 
It's going to get into our black metal block a little bit, Black and Death. Uh, the Grand Sounds and Inverse Records with some stuff in here. Uh, new stuff from Basilmary as well. Kicking it off though is Urku. Urka? Yuka? I don't know how you pronounce it. Sorry, guys. Let me see. Yurku? Yurka? I think it's Yurka. Okay. So that sounds about right. <laughs> this is uh, not at all.
DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and Keiju related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite comic breeding lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaboration with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y Sci-Fi Century Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla related information Peace a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. While I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. To some visitor, I muttered, tapping at my chamber door, only this, and nothing more. I distinctly, I remember it was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly, I wished the morrow. Vainly, I had sought to borrow from my books surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here, forevermore. DJ Nubis and DJ Neko back with them. We are joined by the great Edgar Allan Poe. Sir, how are you? It's another day in paradise, my friend. <laughs> I'm feeling, I don't mean that sarcastically. I'm feeling good. Got to get back in the gym, eat better. Oh, good for All you. Stuff. It's amazing how that makes you feel, doesn't it? When you eat a lot better and get out and the yeah. sun's out. I like it when it gets warm because. Makes you feel better about life. I don't like. I don't like sweating. Oh God. I don't. I don't, I don't want my hair to frizz. Frizz. <laughs> it's uh, where, where I'm at. The gyms are open, um, so uh, it's it's pretty decent time to be going to the gym now because everything is spread out and socially distanced. So it's so, uh, made it easier. So when you go to the gym, are they making you wear a mask? Because, like, I actually have a membership, and I have to contemplate whether or not I want to uh, go because I want to go to the gym, but then, like... We've been paying it for a year for COVID, and he's never gone because of COVID. But, I mean, like, when I wear a mask, like, it's hard to breathe because I don't have much room in my, my lungs, like, you know, my throat. So I was curious if they actually force you to wear it while you work out. So the way that they do it is... You don't have to have the mask on 
while you're like on the treadmill or lifting or anything. Mm -hmm. But if you're walking from station to station or you're walking on the track where there's usually five or six people walking, that's when they want you to have the mask on. I gotcha. Um, so it's, uh, so like when I think every gym has like that one room just filled with cardio machines, right? It'll be like treadmill and then a treadmill that's, you know, the sign that says, do not use social distancing treadmill and so on and so forth. And people are pretty chill about it. Like they're, um, I, I can tell you that it's, uh, most of the people who are showing up are wearing their masks when they, when they need to be, um, because going to the gym is a social thing, so it's never good to see like you know five or six people talking, standing right next to one another without wearing a mask, you know. And that I've only seen that once, so it's it's been pretty good. That's good. Um, yeah, that's good. All right, so uh, you know you wanted to talk a little about the NFL draft and some football. Yes, sir. Um. Honestly, between Neko and I, I don't think either one of us has paid too much attention this year. It kind of makes me sad, too, because it's like, we love watching the draft. We'll, we always have watched the draft, and it's been like a big deal to us. We order wings, and we sit down, and I feel like it just, it's lackluster this year. So, what I would tell you is still do that, because find the little joys in life. And, um, honestly, this is the draft I've been looking forward to, um, for a while. I started really paying attention to the draft about three, uh, three years ago. Um, and so this draft has had a, has a lot of quarterbacks, right? And that always makes it exciting. You know, the drama, who's going to trade up, which team is going to get what and whom, um, but this is such a ridiculous draft for defense. Um, and, you know, the way that I like, I don't know about you all, but I like, I like football to be played and won with the skill position. So I want to see the stud wide too. receiver go against the stud cornerback. Right. And the stud tight end go against the stud safety um, and, and things like that. And the, the left tackle, which I do consider skill position even though it technically isn't versus the pass rusher you know i'm not really too stoked anymore about watching the center go backwards and trying to block the nose tackle i mean that's all fine and good the trenches matter but like if you if you look at like this draft from the cornerback perspective caleb Faley, uh farley i think i always mess up his name oh yeah, he farley, be like, yeah. he'd be like a top five pick if he didn't have the injury issues, and then he skipped a year. And I don't, I don't blame him for not playing in COVID because it was a nightmare. And college football, as much money as it makes, they probably weren't going to do the same things. Like, I mean, the NBA went into a bubble, the NHL went into a bubble. You know, those types of of things. But uh, there are a lot of really, really unique prospects that I just find um, to be absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of Parsons, but I know that he's got a lot of baggage that comes with it. Um, uh, I want to talk about him actually, because okay. um, I find him to be probably the best defensive player in the draft, and mm. I would say arguably he's the best player in the draft. Right. Um, I don't know. So, like, if you remember four or five years ago, there was a an inside linebacker. 
Well, it wasn't the, the, the talent that Parsons is, but he was pretty close to Reuben Foster. Yeah. Maybe Reuben Foster Jr. He had, that, he had a great year for San Francisco, and then he got suspended. His career went tits up. He's barely in the league. Um, that's the fear with Parsons, right? Because he is a bit of a nut job. Right. And so what I would think, if I was a team who's thinking about drafting him, it's, it's all about the interview. Like, is his head on straight? Is he going to show up? Is, or is he, you know, is he going to pull an Isaiah Wilson on you? You know, those types of things. And if that checks out, if he's just a, what I would call a regular NFL nut job, because to play linebacker, you have to be a little crazy, right? Then I would draft him. But if he's giving you insane red flags in his um, interviews, then I wouldn't. And I think that um, this might be hyperbole to some, but I don't think I don't think that it is personally. He is almost a perfect prospect, right? Like he's absurdly fast, just period. Not fast for his size, not fast for his position. He's absurdly fast. He's absurdly strong. He can cover any tight end. He can dominate the run. You can blitz him. Um, you can blitz him off the edge. You can blitz him um, kind of like what the Chiefs did seven or eight years ago with that middle uh, linebacker, inside linebacker. Uh, guy, I think his last name was Johnson, where he had like eight and a half sacks in one season. I mean, <laughs> he can play 4-3. He can play 3-4. He can play hybrid. You can play him out in safety. Um, if you feel comfortable with the interviews because like, I don't care about the hazing stuff. Like it means he's a, a jerk. It means he's an asshole, right? but there are plenty of assholes in the NFL. I mean, Tom Brady just won another Super Bowl, you know, <laughs> for instance, right? And, you know, so I would draft him. Like if I was Denver, unless somebody like Justin Fields fell to me, I would absolutely draft Parsons. Um, there's, cause there's no reason not to, if he, if, if you look at what Fangio does in San Francisco, he dominated with two high safeties, uh, one great pass rusher, uh, and then a good pass rush rotation, and then his inside linebackers did all the work. Um, it was that way in Chicago with Roquan Smith. I think I'm probably botching that name, too. No, you got it right. Um, That's him. But yeah. th- there's no reason for Denver to not draft him at nine. Um he should be a top five pick. Yeah, it's really. That much of a year and I think one. you're right because, like, you know, if he, uh, if you interview and talk to him, it's like all the hazy stuff, you know, all that stuff went gone in college. Like, he's young enough to where, like, he can grow out of that. So I think absolutely, you're, he's so I, a kid, right? So I think you're right. If they talk to him and you know check him out, and if he looks like he's you know matured up and not going to be doing the same silly crap, then you know it should be a good go there. Now, here's the other thing. Um, there's an article on NFL.com. They they basically give out the first two picks for every team in the draft, like they're you know, where they, they think they're gonna go. Right. So I'm gonna just throw a couple of names at you because let's say uh, Denver, and we're gonna stick with defense. So let's say Denver isn't really satisfied with Parsons in any interviews or whatever they've talked to him, whatever. Um, not necessarily at nine, but. Let's stick with linebackers. Now, I'm a big Snowden fan from UVA who could be a late-round draft pick, probably like around third or fourth round. Or I've seen a name in this article here where round number two for number 40 overall, they have Denver selecting Jamin Davis from Kentucky. I don't know much about him. Do you know anything about Uh, that kid? Yeah, he's really good. And uh, if this wasn't a year where... 
uh, here's the best way to put it. So some people have him as a late round first, first, uh, a late first round pick. Um, he's a guy who, if Parsons and that uh, stud linebacker from um, Notre Dame, mm-hmm. who's also a jack of all trades type of guy, if they weren't in this draft, he probably would be a first round pick. You know how uh, last year's draft there were a million wide receivers, right? Sometimes <laughs> you just Sometimes you're a great player, and there's a bunch of other great players at your position. Right. Um, but Jamon Davis, he is uh, – I don't want to undersell him and just say he's really good at a lot of things, but he is really good at a lot of things. And he is the um, – I hate to use – I really hate to use, like, stupid terminology that gets thrown around. But, like, if you were looking for a quote-unquote quarterback of the defense, he would be that type of guy. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I've been hearing he, he's been ri- rising up to charts pretty fast. So obviously, some of the guys on Broncos forums are kind of talking about him a little bit. If now, if we had to go at number nine, and I, I know Davis isn't really quite that far up yet, but he may by that time the draft comes around. But you mentioned Farley at nine, maybe, or how about uh, Patrick Sertan, uh, second. Uh, that would be gross for Denver. Really? Um, yeah, so there is a, I think Farley is the best corner if you get rid of injury concerns and all that, if you just look at like what he can do on the football field, right? Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of really talented draft nicks who feel that Sertan is better. And uh, it, it's sort of like, it's sort of like um, when, there was the debate between who is the best corner and some people said it's Darrell Revis and then the people who actually watched the game realized that he got away with pass interference constantly and that the correct answer is actually Patrick Peterson but it'd be sort of it'd be sort of like that where um, maybe it comes down to scheme maybe it comes down to talent um, one thing that probably works in Sertan's favor is that Cornerbacks out of Alabama don't bust typically. Right. Um, it's Saban has an eye for them, and if even if you look at a guy like Andre uh, Kirkpatrick or Drake Kirkpatrick, he played for Cincinnati for a lot of years. He never lived up to his talent, um, but he was still a borderline Pro Bowl type of player. So Sertain would definitely be the safer pick. Okay. Um, but I would I would probably take Fairley because. I don't. If you look at the teams that win Super Bowls, they aren't doing super safe moves all the time. So you have to have you have to trust your doctors. And Denver has a really bad medical personnel. <laughs> um, yes, they do. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, I don't know. I'm not saying that they're committing malpractice. I am saying that they suck. Yeah. And um, if you look at the way that they diagnosed Drew Locke, which was just I mean, laughable, um, and that actually ended up hurting Denver, hurting Drew Locke because he had to miss, you know, extra weeks in the year that they Elway went all in on Flacco, which was another. But I digress. It's the, it's that type of deal. That's your those, boy. I mean, the corners are insane in this draft. Okay, so um, sticking with Locke because number nine on this article, 
And this has been a huge debate, but there's been people for this and people like me against this. Uh oh. Number nine, they say Denver should go with Justin Fields, quarterback from Ohio State. Do you want me to represent the argument for Fields or against Fields? Do both. Um, I like to hear the pros and cons because, look, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit aware of his play. Um, he looked fantastic against Clemson, obviously. Uh, but yeah. he also had a pretty big year playing against subpar teams, which isn't all his fault. COVID, COVID played a lot of that, too. Right. Um, and, then, and you could also levy that against Zach Wilson and right. anyone who's not in the SEC, basically. Right. So, yeah, go ahead and shoot and give me your pros and cons to Justin Fields. So the argument for him is that uh, the leadership skills are there. There was a really bad article about his work ethic out there that pretty much was found to be unfounded. Um, he's not a Dwayne Haskins. And actually speaking how to differentiate himself from Dwayne Haskins, uh, Joel Klatt is the uh, draft nick guy for um, all the uh, Fox sports. And so he made some arguments for Justin Fields that I was unaware of. Um, so for instance, Justin Fields, if you look, if you look at him and you compare him to Haskins, Almost half of Haskins' yards came from yards after the catch, or what I'd like to call the uh, Case Keenum effect, where you are bad <laughs> at quarterbacking, but your wide receivers are good at wide receiving, and they bail you out. Justin Fields, almost 70% of his yards came in the air, and he threw most of his passes were intermediate passes, which tend to be the hardest passes for quarterbacks to make, young quarterbacks to make. Short passes, dump-offs are easy, and the long passes, we tend to be throwing mostly more to an area on the field than to a specific person, so they're harder to pick off. It, it is a general rule. So those are, um, those are factors which I think really speak well for him because though he has great players on his team. He's obvi- it's Ohio State. They always have great players. Right, yeah, team. they're pretty loaded. Um, do you know what his... Uh, Accuracy accuracy percentage was this past year? Did Off the top of my head, no, but I thought it was, I, I recall it being pretty high. I can look it up if you want. Oh, no, that's um, okay. Uh, it, it probably would be. Um, I will mention he, this, he though. He compares really well to, um, he compares really well to other guys in the NFL who, who've come out in the past handful of years. Actually, you just. chucking the ball down the field. Yeah, you just the mentioned that. Go ahead, um, I'm sorry. Uh, the article mentions exactly what you're saying. He said that the pro that they gave is Fields has a chance to be just as effective quarterback as Watson, Deshaun Watson, because of yeah. his athleticism, arm strength, and on-field leadership style. So. He, there are knocks against him, um, and they're not trivial. One, I think, is that uh, I don't like, when I, when I watch him play, he has that 4-4 speed, and I don't like the way that he, uses it. There are sort, certain quarterbacks like a Steve Young, a John Elway, Vic, when he was in Philadelphia, a very specific timeline for him. Guys who, Aaron Rodgers, guys who know how to improv, and but know how to not basically audible out of the play. And there are times when I watch Justin Fields play, and I'm like, there's a wide open lane for you to run. Why are you not running? It's the logical thing to do. Um, and, and things like that. Now, I think that's coachable, 
by and large, but I also think that a lot of guys, when they get into the league, unless they're like Lamar Jackson, where they're God just blessed them and said, you are an incredible athlete, and you'll just have a really good quarterback. And I love Lamar Jackson, by the way. I'm not trying to diminish him. Work, I mean, he I'll diminish him for you. Oh, so. my God. But there are, yeah, I know, I know why you all, I know why you all hate him. Um, and I understand that Denver should have taken him, um, oh, I, I thought, but uh, I got yelled at that about that, so what do I know? Probably uh, by me. Just, yeah. I, I, if Justin Fields was there at nine, I imagine that Denver would take him because they're clearly, I mean, they, they tried to get, Denver tried to get Stafford, and that didn't work. They were rumored to try to get um, Russell Wilson, and then Seattle said no. They there is another quarterback that you all were linked to, and I understand that GMs do their due diligence. But if you have a how old is Locke? Twenty four, twenty five. Yeah, he's pretty if, young. Yeah, if you have a guy in his mid twenties, and you're like, "That's my guy. That's my quarterback." You're not in those conversations. So I don't think I don't think a reasonable person could look at Denver right now and think that they're really all in on Locke. I think a reasonable person could look at them and say Locke has a ton of talent. Um, Locke is on a really loaded team and he's finally getting some continuity and some stability. So it's worth writing it out one more year. I still think Drew Locke can be a really good player in the league. Um, I am always skeptical of any quarterback who goes into a team who's when the team is really unstable, and um, Denver has done him no favors between screwing up his playing time and his practice time as a rookie and um, constantly botching the offensive line. The the Scangarello hire is one of the worst offensive coordinator hires of all time. That guy was an idiot. He has no business being in the NFL. Oh, well, you're missing it because there's a guy on the forum who actually thinks he's just stuck with Scangarello. <laughs> wait, he's uh wait. Someone on the forum thinks what about Skang? That we should have kept him and kept uh, him, you know, teaching uh, Locke. No, when you make a horrible mistake, <laughs> no. <make> a mistake. <laughs> I mean, like he, he Skangrello called the NFL games like it was the seventies, right? And the Steel Curtain was not there. I, I, oh my God, that guy gave me. Freaking ulcers, man. Um, <laughs> if, if they were to keep Skangs, it would have been literally just to give law continuity, but the right thing to do would just be hire a qualified offensive coordinator in the first place. That that would have been a good starting spot. Alright, well um, let me um let me just finish with this here and then I'm gonna let you talk about some of the other teams because I know you want to touch on some of the other teams in the draft. Um okay, so back to your point about Locke and whether or not the Broncos are set on him. That's I think this is the biggest debate for me and why I'd probably pass on Fields. Um if you if you're Patton and of course, you know, Fangio and all of them and you think that Locke isn't probably gonna be your guy, even though you make all the valid points that everyone else does about him having only like eighteen games and whatnot. Yeah. Do you take the risk of, like, and I, I hate saying this because I don't think Locke is a big baby, but drafting Justin Fields, again, we're in another position like we were with Plummer and Cutler where it just rubs in the wrong way. And so, like, would that make Locke feel worse about being in Denver 
if they do well, that. Well, absolutely would, because you just drafted as a replacement. Right. Like, I mean... And I think that's where you and I are kind of agreement that it's probably better at this stage, if we're going to go ahead and shoot for another year with Locke, that we try to get the best talent around him, rather than... Oh, I would, I would agree with that. I, but I also think that, so like, if, if I'm watching the draft, and... Denver takes Fields. I'm presuming that Locke is either immediately seen as the backup or he's cut or traded. Right. I don't think that's yeah because um, I don't know if that's right because Locke is a second round pick and that's you know that's a pretty hefty take to let go so early. But if you're taking Fields, I mean one of the arguments for Fields is that he is as pro ready as any other quarterback in the draft, if not the the most. Um, other than arguably Trevor Lawrence, but there's no point in comparing him to Trevor Lawrence because Lawrence <laughs> is going number one, right? Yeah. But if you were, now to your point, I think a valid GM could could say, you know what, I have Locke, I'm going to run him out there one more time, see what I can get out of him, even if for no other reason than I'm going to try to trade him. Um, and keep Fields, or if Locke goes out there and stinks it up, just throw fields out there so there's there's different roster strategies that you could use when you kept both of them on there but yeah i mean if i was drew lock and you drafted a quarterback in, in the top 10 right. i'm gonna be pretty pissed and i think any human would be right like it just seems like an obvious reaction yeah i think that uh i mean if they go that way and like you said if justin is more pro ready then it's really going to be kind of up to Locke to like step up his game and get it done. Um, either he can sink or slip. I'd be pissed if I was Fangio, though, if you took a quarterback and it's like, I'm on the hot seat this year and you're giving me a rookie quarterback. Right. But, uh, okay, so we, we brought up Lawrence. Um, a Jaguars had the number one pick, and I think we know that Lawrence is going to be a Jaguar. Uh, I, I kind of wish that was Broncos being the number one pick, but... <laughs> That's probably the one quarterback I would have no hesitation taking. Yeah, uh, if Trevor Lawrence busts, it's because he either got injured or the franchise is a total shit show, like they pull a Houston Texans, um, or he just doesn't care. Because, like, Trevor Lawrence, uh, his talent measures up to... Obviously, every quarterback is different, but like if you look at like the most talented quarterbacks of all time, Elway is usually considered the best prospect. Then um, it's an argument between Vic, Newton, um, and Luck, and Trevor Lawrence is gifted enough to be in that conversation, so yeah. he should not bust, yeah. especially because he comes from a pro-style offense. Now, um, now, now that I said that, I just cursed him. So, oh I'm yeah, right. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Well, we'll go ahead and curse your former team, the Bengals. Uh, in this article I was talking about, um, they got the Bengals at number five going with Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon. And yes, they, they should. And then at round two, number three overall, Javante Williams running back from North Carolina. I think that's a good pick, actually. The nice thing about the draft now is that unless you have somebody who's, like, absurd, absurdly talented, like, there's not like a world where an Adrian Peterson isn't taken in the first round, right? But outside of somebody like that, you can get your running back in round two, even though in years past they would have gone in the first round. Um, right. I am a proponent of you never give a running back a big contract unless there's somebody like 
unless there's somebody like Henry in Tennessee who's just such a freaking unicorn, or you think that, like, when the Cowboys gave Zeke all that money, I thought it was a bad contract because it was a bad contract, but I understood it because they thought that they were Super Bowl contenders. Now, granted, you need a defense to, to at least get to a Super Dude, Bowl. Dude, you talk about, you talk about a, you, yeah, you talk about a team with the worst luck period, like last year when fucking, uh, the quarterback goes down, Dak goes down. Like you, they were like, even though they were giving up a lot of points, they were putting up a lot of points. And like, yeah, Dak is a good player. I just, um, I felt so bad for that guy. That injury was so gross too. Like mm-hmm. that was not. That wasn't like, a, oh, I tore my ACL. I'll see you next year. That was like, it looked like he was in a car accident. I mean, oh. Yeah, so the Jaguars, obviously, in this article, um, Lawrence will be their number one. And then number 25, they're on again. I thought this was another good pick. Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle out of Bama. Yes, especially because, so, uh, you, you probably remember me ranting on the board before I left about how the game changes and certain things that used to be true are no longer true. Um Right tackle used to be the second most important position on the offensive line. And that part, I think, is true. But the way that offenses used to work is your right guard and your right tackle were there for run blocking, and your left guard and your left guard and your left tackle were there for pass blocking. Well, now, because the the field is so wide open and you can't really play defense in a meaningful way, at least in the regular season, like, the game has changed to the point where – there's so many talented pass rushers now. They're moving athletes to, to defense um, um, that your right tackle is almost as important in pass protection as your left tackle, which is why I feel bad for Locke because Denver's always had an issue with right tackles. Um, some really bad luck at it, at it too. So Leatherwood, the knock on him is, oh, he's only a right tackle. He's only a right tackle. Well, the year Bowles was drafted, um, Ram check the he ended up I, I believe he's a saint. Yeah, he, yeah. Um, he's a right tackle. Well, obviously, if you watched him play, it looked like he might need some time to transition to left tackle. But he's I would say he's fully capable of doing that now. But the Saints were ahead of the curve, and they they know, especially because they were still chucking the ball a lot. Breeze hadn't quite aged out so much. They put him at right tackle. And that pick was brilliant. Uh, Tampa did the same thing this past year with, with Tristan Wirfs, who, and I called it, by the way, um, Wirfs is the best tackle from that class. Um, the guy that uh, the Giants took is, was utter garbage, and he's going to continue to be utter garbage because he sucks. But <laughs> Leatherwood is that guy who, right now, he can step onto the field and be a good right tackle. Maybe he can develop into a left tackle. So if that if those were Jacksonville's first two picks, they did well. Even though I think even an idiot could go, oh, yeah, I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to the AFC West, um, a team that you like or least the quarterback, Mahomey. Yeah. Uh, their first two picks, and I'm not shocked, but I don't know anything about these particular players, and they're both offensive linemen. Uh, number one, 31 overall, would be Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, out of USC. Yeah. And then number 63 overall is the offensive lineman Quinn Meneres from Wisconsin Whitewater. Yeah, those those picks would, uh, they would make sense. I think what Reed is doing is, he just watched they, the 
best quarterback in the game with the, probably the best offense in the game get spanked by Tampa because they were missing two tackles, right? Yeah. Um, well, those two tackles aren't very good. And <laughs> so that's why they cut them, and that's why they spent all that money on um, Thune, I think his name, the he's the guy from New England who's a really good guard. Yeah. So what, what Andy Reid is basically doing is, is saying that, look, unless both of my tackles are out, I don't need great tackles because of the way I call my offense and because of what my skill position players and my quarterback can do. So what I need is I need to stop people from just beating us with an interior pass rush because interior pass rush is the one thing that beats being mobile guys but smart quarterbacks like Manning, Brady, and Breeze, as well as guys like Deshaun Watson or if you take it to the big extreme, um, Lamar Jackson, because you hike the ball and then they're immediately there, and that that just sucks if you're if you're the quarterback. So that that would make sense to me. Although I'm not very high on the guy from Wisconsin. Um, the uh, the gentleman from USC is he's supposed to be one of the best guard prospects in recent memory. But um, if you remember, about eight years ago, there was a guy named Jonathan Cooper, and he's coming out of UNC. And uh, he was supposed to be, and I kid you not, the greatest guard prospect of all time, and he sucked. <laughs> Just period. He never got better. He got traded to New England. New England couldn't do anything with him, which is saying a lot. And then he got traded again. I don't even know if he's still in the league, and guards have a long shelf life. So who who knows? Guards Evaluating a guard is just really difficult because – in college, most of the great defensive players are on the edge. They're not up the middle. So you can have a guy who's good in college and just be utter trash. Maybe move him to center. Um, I don't know. But it, it would it, those would be solid picks from um, Kansas City. Although it would not kill them to actually get a real cornerback. That is, that is worth saying. Right. Um, okay, let's... Um... We're going to do a couple more. Let's skip over to the Jets. Uh, number two overall, they've got Zach Wilson and QB out of BYU. Yeah. And then number three, 23 overall, they have Najee Harris, the running back from Bama. What do you think? So I love Najee Harris, and I, he reminds me of Garrison Hurst, which I just dated myself with how old I am. He was a Bronco um, at one point. <laughs> And uh, he also reminds me, oh, God, there's another running back, and I just, I just forgot his name. But Najee Harris is a really good player. I don't know if I'd take him in the first round because he's a, a running back, but he's an all-purpose running back. He can block, which is important. Um, he is tough as shit. And uh, one of my favorite traits that he has in a running back, I don't care so much about how fast you are unless you're, like, an anchor. But I love a quarter, or I love a running back with acceleration. And um, whether you're hitting the hole or you're pulling the Le'Veon Bell, where you wait, wait, and then you just take off, um, that's that's a really good player. Um, Zach Wilson, I can understand taking him. I thought that he's one of those guys where my perception of him was wrong. I thought he was a cookie cutter game manager with a uh, a crappy arm, and boy, did he make me look like an asshole. So, um, <laughs> you know, when you're wrong, you're wrong. I was like, I don't think he has a great arm. And then I watch his pro day, I'm like, well, yep, I'm an asshole because <laughs> that, that arm is live. He doesn't have like an Elway arm or, you know, anything like that, but that is, he would be 
um, amongst the best in the league with just arm talent. And in today's passing, Rich, offense, uh, arm strength matters more than ever. Although if you just draft a guy off of arm strength, he's probably going to bust. Yeah, I'd have to go back and watch the game. The only game I ever caught with Zach this past year was when they played Coastal Carolina. And they yeah. they were Coastal was very good defensively and like they yes. really beat him around and but I can't remember Zach I think Zach still had a pretty decent game. He just you know, it was just they really took a shot to the mouth in that game and it was close. Yeah. Was that the game where they played on short notice because they wanted to be bowl eligible? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I give them I give them props for that because you have a a lot of teams <laughs> Alabama who will do anything in their power to um, avoid uh, tough competition. Um, now, granted, Alabama can say, but we're in the SEC. The SEC has come back to earth the past handful of years. But uh, if if the Jets took Zach Wilson, I could not blame him. Um, Every year or so, there's a quarterback who shows that they're worthy of going in the first round. And I, I'd be curious to know if you and Nico uh, uh, agree with this. I think that if you're a first-round talent, right, like if you're physically capable of, of belonging in the first round and you have the work ethic and the intelligence, it's not so much about you as it is where you go. Um, because I refuse, like if you ever pull up the old Cleveland Browns, like the at the point where they had, like, 31 starting quarterbacks in 18 years and a lot of them mm-hmm. were first-round picks. Yeah. Um, it's, like, it's hard to believe that all... No, granted, I mean, Johnny Manziel was a thing, and anyone with half a brain cell knew that Manziel was going to suck um, because he was a petulant child and he wasn't actually all that physically talented. But you look at all those names and you, get, you, start, you have to start to go, maybe it's us. Maybe we're doing this to the prospects. Um, Cincinnati was the same way in the 90s. Uh, Keely Smith, Klinger, there were a couple others. You know, it wasn't up until Carson Palmer where they finally found a quarterback who could actually play. Right. Um, and granted, Palmer, his key to success was the Bengals finally assembled an average but a legitimate NFL roster, and they sat him a year behind Kitna. So if, if Zach Wilson... Um, I guess it's kind of like the Adam Gase thing, right? Oh, Tannehill is a horrible quarterback until he gets away from um, Adam Gase, um, who is one of the worst coaches, offensive coaches ever, and he's <laughs> getting jobs for some reason. So, like, for instance, I think that um, uh, Darnold could actually be a pretty good quarterback and do well in Carolina. Um, I think that Zach Wilson, if he busts, maybe it's not because he's not good. Maybe it's because the Jets are – one of the worst ran organizations in sports, and there's no reason for them to be with all that money in that fan base. Yeah, that's um, that's the interesting thing because you know you did make a point like Donald with the new start in Carolina. There's not going to be for some whatever reason. I don't know why it is. I mean, it's New York, but the Giants and the Jets, like just being there, is really tough on quarterbacks. I'm like, you think Denver is bad? Being a quarterback yeah. in that city is like ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's kind of like. Um, it's kind of like, oh god! One of my friends made this joke that, like, having being a big personality in New York, and I think you could apply it to quarterbacks. It's like following up like a really popular pope, and you're like, yeah, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the new guy. Yeah, got my hat on. Yeah, John Paul, you all love them. Yeah, I'm here. It's me. And I mean, they. I I remember in just being a '90s baby. When, when new 
newspapers were still really prominent. And my dad showing me um, sections from the New York Times where one of their quarterbacks was stinking it up. And it was almost, it was like on the lower half of the first page. It wasn't even on the, the front of the sports page. And it's like, that's how brutal they are. Jesus. Um, being a quarterback in New York sucks. Um, I think I think if you look at a team like the Jets, every year they spend a ton of money in free agency. Every year it, it fails. That's what Philadelphia used to do. And then Philadelphia realized that they just need to draft better. Yeah. Um, and uh, New York, they hire bad coach after bad coach after bad coach. They never have a good GM. And the owner is supposed to be is a really rich guy who's smart and talented. And there are times where if I were him, I'd just be like, you know what? I don't need to find the next great GM. I need to hire a GM who did a good job and wore out his welcome at a place and just getting decent talent onto my team. Well, um, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Stafford does in LA, and of course, Goff he's in Philly now, right? Uh, Goff is a Detroit Lion. Lion, okay. God rest his soul. And um, I have the I have the the Rams winning the Super Bowl next oh, year. Stafford on there, huh? Matt Matt Stafford is. One of the best quarterbacks in the past 30 years. Matt Stafford is one of the toughest quarterbacks in the past 30 years. Matt Stafford is one of the best leaders in the past 30 years. And Matt Stafford is the most underrated player in the NFL today. He's, and I would argue tooth and nail on any of those points. I think he's he's had some tough outings. I mean, that's part of the problem with gunslingers. Uh, not really a problem, but just a something that comes with it. But I think... It kind of goes back to your point about the certain the certain cities that you're in. Like, if Donald goes to Carolina and plays better, then we can say to ourselves, "Well, the Jets just didn't do him any favors." And that could be the same with Detroit. Detroit's sort of like that whole Cleveland thing. Once they started getting, uh, you know, they weren't drafting very well. They weren't playing very well. Not the coaches were subpar. The drafting was terrible, and like you just couldn't win with them over there. I mean- this is this is what I want to say about Matt Stafford. That Thanksgiving game where he throws a game-winning touchdown with a separated shoulder, mm-hmm. like you you either have that in you or you don't. I don't have that in me. You separate my shoulder. No fuck fuck you. I'm not. No. <laughs> Call the ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> money you're paying me. Um, he also he made the playoffs with the last or second to last ranked rushing offense. With a running back, I can't even remember his name, who at best would be a second or even third stringer on a team, um, a, a playoff team. Um, and everybody knew it. Everybody knew that they were going to have to throw the ball 50 times. And there's a certain point where it's like people are like, well, you're losing, you're losing, you're losing. And it's like, okay, but why are we losing? Are we losing because I'm throwing for 350 yards? Four touchdowns, two picks. I'm getting sacked four times a game, even though I'm avoiding a bunch of sacks. I have no receivers. <laughs> and I have no running game. Or are we, like, is it me or is it you? And I'm brutal on quarterbacks. Um, I am absolutely brutal on quarterbacks. I think you're either good or you're garbage. And I don't believe in game managing quarterbacks and any of that crap. Those are mirages. And every time I watch Stafford play, I 
just see a guy who's incredible at his craft. I mean, he threw, if you look at the yards he threw for after Calvin Johnson retired, it's like everyone thought that, oh, it's Calvin Johnson, it's Calvin Johnson. And Calvin Johnson should be in Hall of Fame. But he was, still, Matt Stafford was still that guy. Right. And I think that he is, I think he's going to humble people this year. I think the Rams are going to, are good for 12 or 13 wins. Um, and that actually reminds me, can we talk real quick about how the Niners are going to pick Mac Jones and how that's going to be one of the worst picks ever? Well, actually, I, that was the next team I was going to get to. Because uh, in this article, obviously number three overall, Mac Jones, Bama from uh, QB from Bama. And then number 43 overall, they've got a guy I've never heard of, I should have heard of because I do like Wake Forest, but Boogie Basham, the edge rusher from Wake Forest. Um, Mac Jones is, when when San Francisco is, when they take him, if they take him, because there's a part of me who still thinks it's a smoke screen. Right. If they take him, they're basically saying, our offense is so talented and my play calling is so good, I just need somebody to be a glorified game manager. I don't need anybody to go onto the field and do something special and Patrick Mahomes it up or, or something like that. Yeah, what's the story there? Because, I mean, they just, like, two or three years ago traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, and, like, I know he got hurt and everything, but now they've basically said this is not our guy? Yeah, um, so Garoppolo, I think, is ironically basically Mac Jones, right? So I don't know why you would, um, and this is Jaden's point, and I still, I still talk with him, um, but why would you trade up to draft the same guy? I think Mac Jones is probably better than Garoppolo because Mac Jones did it in Bama. But um, at the end of the day, he's got the worst arm, the worst mobility. Um, he's not good. I mean, that's not fair. He's not great at any <laughs> So why are you trading up for a guy who, like... The reason why I don't think they're going to take Mac Jones is I don't know who's going to pick him in the top ten other than you. It reminds me of, like, when the Bears were like, we need to trade a whole bunch of picks and move up a spot. It's Trubisky. And the league was like, okay, you have been huffing the paint, but sure, go ahead and pick Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, it's going to be Kyle Shanahan's basically going to do this. He's going to go up, not take Mac Jones. He'll take Justin Fields. What happens is Denver will be at number nine, and he's going to lure us into fucking drafting fucking Mac Jones because we want a quarterback. If, if Denver drafts Mac Jones, <laughs> Drew Locke should drive to Dove Valley, <laughs> knock on Patton's door, and beat his ass. <laughs> just, just spit on him and start throwing hands. Because there's no. Mac Jones could be a, 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 an average starter in the Mac Jones could be like what Bridgewater could have been before Bridgewater's leg almost fell off. Right. But if that is a top 10 pick to you, and granted, a lot of people had Bridgewater being that guy because he was a stud in college. So I'm not even trying to spare Bridgewater's potential coming out of college. But like, Mac Jones is just a really good A.J. McCarron. And A.J. McCarron, some people are like, oh, he could be a second round pick or maybe a third round pick. But apparently when you throw to two wide receivers who are arguably top 15 talents in the draft and and 
you have a running back who some people think should be taken in the first round, which is quite the compliment in 2021, that means that you're a stud. I mean, I'm not trying to say that Mac Jones can't play, but Mac Jones is not... If you're trying to draft the guy to win games on his back and capitalize on the fact that you have a good quarterback on a rookie salary, he's not that dude. Do you, do you, you're asking him to be something he can't be. Do you think there's more upside with the the kid from North Dakota State over Mac Jones? So, Trey Lance... Um, Carson Wentz was a stud, and then everything fell apart in Philadelphia, and he still took them to the playoffs one year, and then he sucked a lot last year, right? So I think Carson Wentz is still a good quarterback. Uh, Josh Allen uh, was an MVP candidate this year, and he fixed his accuracy issues, which almost never happens. Yeah, I know. He's the biggest surprise of anything. Right, because like his rookie year, Josh Allen looked like, Jamar- uh, Jamarcus Russell, who cared. Right. Um, and then his sophomore year, um, you and you made this point, even though you weren't a big Josh Allen fan, um, if I'm remembering it correctly, that Josh Allen's second year, his accuracy came and went. He was making a lot of plays. He was definitely playing hard. He was clearly a leader. And so you could have taken, especially at the end of the year when he was playing really well and his accuracy went up, you could you could have taken, if you wanted to say Josh Allen sucks, you could make the case. If you wanted to say no, he's turning the corner, you could make that case, right? So I'm going to go ahead and say that Josh Allen is a good quarterback um, because I, I want to give people their flowers um, when, they've, when they've earned them, um, and he's a good story, right? So... With Wentz being a good quarterback mostly, and Josh Allen being what he is now, and Trey Lance's God-given abilities, the issue with Trey Lance is, if you start him, are you going to be okay with him being really bad that first year and letting him learn, or are you going to sabotage him um, and then just take somebody else really early the next year? Um, are you going to be? Are you going to take your lumps? Is something that my grandmother used to say mm-hmm. from time to time. If the answer is yes, I would rather take Trey Lance. If if I was San Francisco, I'd rather take Trey Lance and run out Jimmy Garoppolo because he basically is Mac Jones. And if Garoppolo can't get it done, well, come on, play calling genius. You have this talented guy. Manufacture, you know, find a way to do what Matt Nagy did for Mitch Trubisky the one year that Trubisky looked like he wasn't a really bad player. Right. Um, or if Garoppolo is doing the job and keeping you in playoff contention, then you just develop Trey Lance. Um, I I don't know what it is about coaches who, who really want players who aren't talented so they can fit their their perfect system. Like when Kubiak made Peyton Manning run his offense, I wanted to bash my head to the wall because it made no sense um and you know that's sort of like the the reverse of this but i i like trey lance i i believe that if 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 you do the interviews and the work ethic is there and the intelligence is there and i don't see any reason to think that it's not there and you're going to actually support him and let him play two at least two years before you make any rash decisions i guess that would be the opposite of rash decisions before you make any informed but harsh decisions then yeah, take him. Um, because physically speaking, he's an absolute animal. He's an absolute monster. And you just have to coach him up. I think what a lot of times coaches don't want 
to have to do extra work or they don't and I don't mean that in the sense that they're lazy but I think coaches are like this is my system this is what I do I need to find a guy who can do that um, and they're almost scared to go outside of their own coaching comfort zone and take a risk but at the end of the day if you hit on the quarterback you hit on the quarterback if you don't have a quarterback you're not winning games in the NFL anyway it's very true all right, brother. Well, we're going to get moving on. I appreciate you calling in and checking in with us. I think we're probably going to do this again after the draft. So Absolutely. So my main takeaway is draft Parsons unless he shows up to the interview high or says, <laughs> eating children. Um, don't draft Mac Jones at three because that's stupid. Yeah. And um, enjoy, and, and for you two, really enjoy this draft. Um, there's a lot of really unique, great players. There's ton of great cornerbacks there's those great linebackers uh the quarterback drama is always going to be really interesting and people are predicting or projecting that there's going to be a lot more trades in this particular draft than any other draft before and trades have been happening more and more in the uh, most recent years i think because of the changes to compensatory picks so definitely you know take the time and enjoy this draft it's going to be a good one and i think denver is um I think Denver is gonna is in a pretty sweet spot for where they're picking, and if you guys take Justin Fields, be optimistic about it. Those, those are my main takeaways. Oh, and fuck the Raiders. <laughs> for, you yep. always say fuck the Raiders. It's 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 God's work. So thank you for having me on. I appreciate you. Thank you for that splendid um, intro, and I love being on your show. I love and that. It always it um it just make, it's a lot of fun. So thank you so much. No problem, man. I appreciate it very much. And thanks, Christopher Walken, for uh, doing that for us. <laughs> yeah, we asked him personally. And so is Matt Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> All right, poet sir, you have a great evening, and we'll be in touch. And there he goes. And there he goes. I love, I love listening to him because he's so passionate about football. Like, I have nothing to add. I'm like, No. Well, that's good because he's got all. He's been following it closer than us. He's got good input on the players and the teams. Like I have some of the idea of some of these players, but some of the other ones I pointed to, like even the you know Kansas City going with two old linemen who I have no clue about. But watching Mahomes run for his life in the Super Bowl, you know, he had to do something with that line. He just had to. He really did, and the I mean, fact that Mahomes still almost made plays. With what with the way that game was going, and yet you know, it's just insane. Mahomes is very talented. Yes, I mean, let's let's he just is. be honest. He's, he he's very talented. The best quarterback in the NFL right now. It's the Patrick Price. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> All right, well, let's get back to some music. We still have a lot to come at you. In uh, this block, I got some accuser as well as Saber from Vlad who provided that. Appreciate it, sir. New Primal Fear, vote of no confidence. Here we go.
looking for great deals on classic and modern rock and metal cassettes? Looking for those rare and classic cassettes from the good old days? Then Tomas Sabinski is the answer. So find your way at Discogs.com and look for seller name Nightwanderer. Tomas not only has excellent and fair prices, but puts extra care when shipping out to customers so that the product arrives undamaged and unscathed. And trust me, I've bought a lot of stuff from him. Comes in top fashion and great, great looks. Again, go to Discogs.com and search Nightwanderer. <laughs> I, I probably have to redo that one in a while. Do you want me to do it? Yeah, I, yeah you don't got time for all this shit anymore. Um, yeah, so check out uh, Tomas there for any kind of uh, cassettes. He's got a lot of stuff there for sale that you guys would dig. Might take a little while to get to because of all the shit going on. but And he's overseas. He's in, um, he's in Poland. Poland. Yeah, so but it's worth it. Comes a uh, very good shape. He yeah, takes very good it's care and packaging. Great, great look. Great, great look, baby. All right, our rock block. Got some stuff from uh, Hell's Abyss, Black Whiskey, Wednesday Thirteen, Hot Sunday Blood, Junius, and of course Neko's Pick of the Week. Uh, let's see, we got stuff that's coming from MD uh, Metal Distant Radio, Curtain Calls, Angels PR. So. <laughs> We got a lot of that mixture in there. This one's from Metal Devastation Radio, Hell's Abyss, Dead Ones. Kicking it all off.
this is Roger from No Moss. And also Ben from No Hey, Henry over here from No Moss. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Come get it. Get lit. Yeah, and John too. <laughs> DJ Nubis and DJ Neko 
back with you. Rock Block here. Getting ready to get into Neko's Pick of the Week. That's right. My Pick of the Week. As I alluded to earlier, um, I've liked this band and, I mean, especially this album, you know, when it first came out. I, I, I love all the fantastical kind of stuff and I, um... I can't remember which concert it was, but I think it was one of the HF festivals and they were playing like super early. They were like the first band to start playing. And we were all like, I can't believe that they made them be like the opener because I feel like a lot of people miss them. And well, I remember because really a festival like that, at least the one that I saw, because I did two that year, I think, and I saw the one in fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were just so many great bands on there, so I was like, man, it's going to be hard to catch all of them. And I think that's part of the reason why, like, they were just one of the younger ones that were just kind of They were new. Started. It was their, like, debut album, and, oh, it was, that day was so crazy and so long. We, um, we got there, and uh, <laughs> there were other people, like, carpooling so it was a whole bunch of us and eventually one of the people who were in charge of driving they were a couple and they got into a fight and they left so then we're trying to find our other friend who we hadn't seen all day but he was one who bought a vip ticket and we didn't buy so that meant you could go up into the club level yeah and remember it was raining and it was just all nasty like the second half of the day so what they did because of how you know how big the parking lots were i don't know if you had to park far away but we did and they um had shuttles like remember we, we parked over by new carrollton and where the railway was mm -hmm. and i just remember i mean you didn't have to take the shuttle but it was a hike like they had shuttles. But i remember over. like on when we were getting out like we were worried about actually getting on the last train to get back over there because they stopped at a certain time of the night and we're like well what the fuck <laughs> you know we're going to this concert and like we gotta get be able to get back and new carrollton is not that close to where the stadium was at the time so oh so you actually parked at the metro station yeah and met no see we parked at the stadium yeah. but they had bus shuttles for the people who parked in the faraway parking lots and you could walk if you wanted to like back and we all kind of like made this thing we're like okay we're gonna meet at this spot right at the beginning of the day we're meeting at this spot no matter what if we don't because we always would all split up and at the time, I was with my ex, Eddie, and he and I were together, and then we we found, like, some other of our friends, and we, we all, I mean, it was a ton of us. It was probably, like, uh, 12 of us, and, you know, not everybody wants to see all the same bands, and we had two cars, or three cars, and, uh, our one friend who his ride was the couple that got into the fight and left left him didn't tell him whoops and we all just kind of said at the end of the night we're gonna meet by this sign and 
so we all ended up finding each other and we were all kind of like Trish and Brian are fighting and they left and they're like what the fuck that was they were my ride so at the time my um my ex Eddie he usually would take his mom or his dad's van especially if it was a bunch of us but I don't know why he bought this car his we were in a car accident in his truck and um he went through a couple of cars after this but he had an old ass Lincoln Continental. You know what I'm talking about with like the big wheel thing on the back. It was a very, very comfortable, very spacious car. The kind you can lay down in. Well, not for seven people. Though. Oh yeah, but I mean, <laughs> just in general. Driving back from Washington D.C. So I don't even know how we did it because it was me and a bunch of dudes and Eddie driving. Eddie was the driver and he's the tiny one. Thank God he's he's the smallest out of all the dudes cuz he could like at least scoot up a little and give us some room. We had we had one guy on the floor in the front. We had one guy in the front. It we had four of us packed in the back. I I don't know how we did it. One, you know, let and this is an hour and a half drive home. It was like one of the f- most fun and most annoying like cuz yeah, I think it was Elton Jerry, me, Elton's cousin, um, I think John was there, I'm trying to think of, it was like a big group of large men, six feet and over, except for, Jerry's a little bit shorter, but he's still like a, um, you know, muscular guy, and then my husband, my, my husband, my ex, <laughs> who was not much taller than me, I think he's maybe five seven, but he was a s- smaller guy, so he, he was driving, all of us piled into this Lincoln Continental, but Elton was the one we were trying to find. And he was, you know, just zipping around, and we said, he's wearing that bright red, or bright yellow. He had a bright yellow t-shirt that said, I love strippers on it. So Just find a yellow yeah, shirt. Yeah, we're like, we're looking, but all the staff, remember, they all had the staff that was yellow. We drove around and drove around the parking lot. And this is back in the days when I don't, I think I might have had a cell phone and maybe Eddie had a pager. Like, this is before you and I met, so this is like 2000, maybe? 99, 2000? Uh, We drove around that stadium and those parking lots and then we found him and he was in the spot where we all agreed that we were gonna meet. After we did a couple of laps and his little sad face, and we're like, yeah, Trish and Brian left. And he's like, what? So, (laughs) it was an interesting day, nonetheless. But aren't all concerts like that? Don't you always have a good concert story when it's a big group of you? So, the group I'm talking about is Power Man 5000. They were opening one of the WHF festivals, and it was a nice, long-ass super sweaty super rainy at the same time day and i mean it was incredible and i just always dug them and they probably this this was my favorite what they did rob zombie's little brother yeah spider yeah so power man 5000 their title track from their album that year tonight hang the stars on till tomorrow Cause tonight the stars revolve. Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation 
that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ladies and gentlemen, Bullion Jump. Let's welcome DJ Neko's pick of the week.
What's up, everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up. Grave Huffer mask. My Grave Huffer mask. DJ Nubis, DJ Neko, back with you. Gonna talk a little bit about some entertainment news real quickly. This is DJ Anubis's entertainment news update. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, it wasn't like any real topic, but um, we have a few news bits that I think people find interesting. Uh, there are, there have been a few people and critics who have gotten a chance to see the new Mortal Kombat film. It comes out next Friday, I believe, uh, on HBO Max and in the theaters. I'm going to try to get out to the theaters with Neko to see it, but if not, we'll just chill at home and check it out. Um, but it's getting pretty good reviews. Um, What's the day that it um, releases again? April 23rd. But... Uh, the average score that people have been giving is like a 7 out of 10. And that might seem low, but when you're comparing it to the originals like that were kind of done much worse, it's probably a pretty good score. Uh, we might have scored higher uh, just because we're bigger fans, I'm sure, than the critics or whoever. But uh, a lot of them had said that the it's just violent, good, gory fun. <laughs> That's how they put it. I'm okay with that. Right. I mean... It, you know, we're all waiting for the fatalities and stuff like that. Uh, there hasn't been too many uh, notes about the acting or anything. I guess they say that one of the reasons why they don't score super high is because it's there's not a whole lot of story going on. But with this kind of movie, uh, you know, you kind of expect it's going to be kind of like just on the flat surface of storytelling. We're not expecting Oscar nominations. No, yet. we're expecting the fans to love it. Right. Uh, looking at it still with uh, Joe Taslam and also uh, the other gentleman playing Scorpion there. Uh, so that, that's a good positive, though, because you know we're excited to see this film. I know a lot of other big fans of Mortal Kombat are <laughs> excited for this as well. Uh, in other news, apparently, I did not notice that Christian Bale is going to be involved with Marvel's Thor, Love and Thunder, so he's got some role in that. But it's given him, like, the invigoration and whatnot to come back and play Batman for DC. I don't know how much of that's in stone. I don't even know if they're considering uh, Bale to come back or if it's going to be another one of those uh, multi-universe type things where... Bale and Keaton are playing their respective Batman roles or whatever because Keaton's name came up as well. Uh, but Bale has shown interest to play Batman. He's actually my favorite of the bunch. I know. You love him. Uh, I, I love Nolan's trilogy too. I mm -hmm. think right now with DC, it, that's just really the pinnacle of it all. Not that I didn't like Burton's Batman. The first couple with, you know, obviously Bert, uh, Keaton was really good. I even enjoyed uh, Batman Forever a little bit for different reasons we've talked about in the past. Uh, the last one, Batman and Robin, I didn't really like all that much. Just too much going on. Just I, I didn't. I don't even remember. That's what I. That's how. I had Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. Okay, it was that one. All yeah, right, all yeah. right. It just and Bane was terrible. At that so. 
Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that was like a mess, uh, just from top to bottom. Just way too many characters and just not enough storytelling. And plus, just acting wasn't really where it needed to be. But God bless Arnie for trying. Um, what else we got going on here? Oh, Warrior Season 3 has been confirmed. If you have not checked this series out, it's on HBO Max. So they definitely did confirm? Yeah. Because what ended up happening Kyle was... Kyle Wong, actually, is the one that sent Samurai a message and oh, okay. posted about it. It was on Cinemax, and then HBO Max picked, picked it up, and then we weren't sure what was going to happen because um, they, they postponed taping because of COVID. Yeah. So I, I'm glad that they've actually confirmed because we're really digging it. Yeah, we got to get back to finishing season two. We'll probably do that at some point. We're just Things have been really busy and crazy right now, so we have to kind of pick and choose what we're doing because we got to get our, like lately, the last couple of weeks we've been literally watching our pick of the week movies like the night before because it's just that's how it's worked out. So it's just one of those things. We have to try to get everything in and she's busy with herself with work and you know her mom and everything else so it, a lot of stuff just keeping us busy even stuff around the house going on uh and finally i got a chance to see the fast and the furious 9 trailer that dropped and what do you think uh you know i'm not gonna rush out to see it i mean i haven't been as excited about the series in a long time i haven't either I think the last time I really liked it was when Statham first came into it. And you had, of course, Dwayne and Rock Johnson there, and they were doing it. But, like, I saw the trailer, and I'm like, they're doing a lot of crazy shit. It's become more of an action series now rather than about the cars. I mean, the cars are still kind of there. Uh, but it's more about the action part of it. I'm trying to think. Have I seen any of the other ones except for the first one? I don't know, but... I know I saw... Han makes his way back to the series in okay. this new one, which apparently he was supposed to be dead. I thought he died in the Tokyo Drift one. So they're, like, making all these movies out of order. I don't fucking know. No, no, no. Th this is him coming back. So apparently they're probably going to play it off as he's not really dead. Like, and... The first thing I gather, and this is why I think it's turned into more action film, because even Michelle Rodriguez is in this, and she's fighting and doing all this stuff, and there's a point where a guy gets shot in the head, like like a sniper-type deal, and it's Han. Like, he's really good with a gun, and people are surprised to see him, so I'm like, oh, this must be him that he's like... Didn't she have amnesia or something, and she forgot? For while, yeah. yeah, okay. Because initially, she was considered dead. Oh, God, that's right. They all... They, yeah. See, I've seen, like, bits and pieces of a bunch of them. Yeah. So, uh, the one good news is Charlize Theron's back in this new one. Uh, she's the villain again, and the guy playing... The, the whole concept now is Dom, uh, Vin Diesel's character, is being pitted up against his brother, who he hasn't talked seen in years, and you want to know who his brother is? John Cena. <laughs> So, um... Oh my god. Yeah, Vin made a mention of, like, in a quote somewhere that he was at some dojo of his, just where he meditates and stuff, and John appeared, and he kind in of... In a vision, or, like, no, in real life? real life. Showed up. <laughs> <laughs> vision, vision would probably be funnier. I was meditating, and John Cena came to me. And John's face just popped in my head. 
<laughs> but that's when I knew he was my brother. <laughs> but that gets even a little more weird because he says when John Cena showed up to his place, he kind of saw it as a sign from Paul Walker that he should have him in the movie. Because there is a scene in the trailer where Dom is looking at this uh, tablet and it's a picture of Paul Walker picking up a little kid. Uh, I don't know how they're going to play the role of Paul's in that because clearly the uh, goddamn Jordan Brewster, Jordana Brewster, who plays his wife or and Dom's sister, right, is going to be in this. So I don't know how they're going to. Are they just going to keep saying that Paul Walker's character is just not there, not available? Maybe he's in witness protection now because of um, yeah, him yeah. being a cop and right. So I don't know how they're going to do that, but um. Yeah, so those are the interesting things. How long has it been since Paul Walker passed away? 2013. Has it really been that long? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And of course, some people, you know, they still think that they're all trying to milk it off his death. I I don't really agree with that. Not eight years down the road. It's a little bit, uh, they've made how many movies since then? Three or four. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't think, I don't think they're milking it off of his death because they've turned it into something else, as you said, um... Yeah, I mean, it's become... I mean, they got Hobbs and Shaw now that kind of spun off of it. Um, yeah, it's a whole different monster now. and Like, really, there's just a lot more action. Especially even the last one, 8. Uh, Charlie Theron was fantastic as a villain. I thought she was great in that. And uh, the movie itself was, you know, A-OK. But, uh, again, they brought back other characters. The girl that played the female cop in 6, I think. I always forget what number they are, but uh, the one where they had to go to the Brazil or whatever and steal the big safe and whatnot. But she got pregnant from Dom. He didn't know about it. And in the last movie, Charlie's got a hold of her and ended up killing her, but the kid was still okay or whatever. So Dom now has the kid. Now, is she really dead or. Yeah. I think they dropped out of her airplane, so okay. I'm pretty sure she's dead. But I, at least I think, or they shot her or something. I can't remember exactly what. It's been a while. But, yeah, the, the, the series is just going in a little bit of a different direction now than when it started. So, I mean, I'll check it out for free. I'm not going to go pay to see it or anything. But Same. HBO Max, chances are they're going to have it at some point. So. Well, I, I am enjoying the um, the HBO Max I, I, again, one thing that I always kind of, like, joke about with COVID is it's really made me lazy, even lazier than I've ever been. Everything is just available. And that's a good thing and a bad thing, because when I can compartmentalize everything and just do everything in my own house... It feels convenient, but then it can take a little bit of a, a toll on your brain. Like, it's it's just, you just don't leave your house. Right. At all. It's kind of crazy. But I do enjoy the HBO Max. <laughs> yeah. So those are a few tidbits that are out there, and you guys can search them up and read about them a little bit. But uh, that's a little bit of movie news that I've got for you. Going to get back into some music, and then we'll be ready for our Retro Movie Vault review. Uh, as we said earlier in the uh, show, uh, Fear Factory has a new record coming out. Uh, it won't really be with Burton Bell, but he did have 
I guess, input on one track that they released, that Dino and company released. So I think he actually has one of the guys from Static X in the band. I think the bass is in there, I think. I thought I saw a picture of both of them in there. But anyway, this is Fear Factory kicking off our next block with Disruptor. Nice. Disruptor! Come on, 
This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. It was at the dawn of the Age of Reason that first appeared the beast upon the county of Gévaudan. Possessed with enormous strength, it would strike without warning and disappear without a trace when all hope seemed lost. The king sent two men determined to unravel the mystery. What they uncovered was a world of deception and a struggle for power that was far more dangerous than anything they could have imagined. Alright, DJ Nubis. DJ Neko. <laughs> I like that uh that entrance. Or the little uh the blurb you gave, yeah. So why yeah, don't well, you I, tell us about your movie, uh, DJ Anubis? Yeah, well, like, the trailer itself is actually another 50 seconds, I think. But oh my because, god, that, that's just like, the movie but itself no, but, just keeps but, going on and well, on There was no dialogue. And on and on there was and no on. dialogue, so I just cut it out. But I had to go rip the trailer from my DVD because I couldn't find it online. Like, they had other trailers, but they had But not the one you wanted. Right, they had someone else narrating one of them, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. So, like, I went and got my copy. Oh, my lord. Uh, so, yeah, uh, my pick of the week on this was The Brotherhood of the Wolf, one of my all-time favorite films. I went and saw this with my friend Chris back in 2001. And in the theater, and it was in, it was of course a French film, so it was in subtitles. So we were both like shocked by that a little bit when we went to see it. You're trying to watch it with one eye and read it with the other eye. <laughs> we started watching it, and like, of course, the subtitles are coming in. Chris is like, "Is this subtitle?" <laughs> like, oui, I oui. guess so. <laughs> Surprise! We 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 we. Yeah. So basically, this this movie plays off some truths, but it's like a little bit of truth. It's not like totally true, obviously. So they uh, work with a bit of history here. And we've got the characters we have are Samuel Lebahan, who plays Grigory D. Franzak. Uh, Mark DeCascos, who is uh, Manny, is his partner friend. Uh, they're sent to... Uh, where were they? What... Uh, what part of France? Oh, it was it was like a province. It wasn't. Yeah. It was outside of Paris. Um, so they're sent there because apparently there's this beast running around killing women and children, and it sort of like from descriptions uh, resembles a wolf or a werewolf. And it's the beast. The beast. Uh, so these guys are sent by the king to figure out what the hell's going on because the 
law enforcement or what you call it. It was a smaller province, so they um they really didn't know what to make of it and word got back to the king and this is all before the French Revolution. You kind of see at the beginning of the movie it's now. Mm-hmm. Like, which is the French Revolution happening. And then they Tarantino it and take you back through yeah, this story uh, of these people and the name? beast. Marquis? Marquis? Yeah. Uh, Marquis, I guess, is... I don't even know what really role he played other than... Well, he's he's nobility in that town. Okay, so that, then he eventually became... Probably, like, the governor of that province. So, you start off with him as an older man. and uh, in a guillotine. And it's it's the French Revolution, and he wants to put down on paper this story that has been floating around for, you know, generations about this beast. So, it's been... Because they initially, just to piggyback on that, initially they... The story that was written was about the wolf that was caught supposedly to be the creature that killed all these people. He's telling the story what actually happened and that the creature initially given to the king is not the actual creature that did the business. Because the the king during that time just wanted it to go away. But uh, de Fransac, he didn't believe it, even though he was he he did what he was supposed because he's a taxidermist and naturalist. he's a naturalist, and he did what he was told, and the and he, you know, we're kind of jumping around the story, but he was sent to this province to hunt and find out what's going on with this beast. He was going off the evidence and everything, and then as he was there for a while. Someone else from Paris came and said, I'm going to hunt the beast and I'm going by myself. And he brings back a wolf and he's like, this is the story that the, the king wants us to go away. Yeah, so he's basically telling the Franzac, you know, you're a taxidermist, so you're going to make this <laughs> this little wolf look like a really scary beast and then we're going to unveil it and then people are going to be put at ease and, of course, the Franzak's like, well, the killings are still going to happen. He's like, yeah, but no one's going to Yeah, nobody's going to hear about it. Nobody's going to care. It's not going to exist anymore because you're an outskirt-like type province. But, of course, you know, for Franzak, this is not going to sit well. He does it anyway, reluctantly. And Manny, of course, is a more of a, even though he's a Iroquois Indian, is is that how you pronounce it? Iroquois Indian? I don't remember. He's, but, he's, uh, he's a Native American Indian. Right, so... He's in touch with, you know, nature and the creatures and the bees and wolves and stuff. Because right now, during this time, a lot of wolves are being hunted down and slaughtered because they're just... Kind of like Jaws. Right, yeah. It is a lot like that. Um, so let's take it back. So we're trying to give you an idea. This is... This is one man who became, you know, the governor of this province and... You start off at the French Revolution, they're about to hang him, and he wants to get this story out there so that people know really what happened in this province, because it was more than just a story about a beast. It was a story about love. Love. It was a story about 
kind of like the Freemasons, but they didn't call them the Freemasons. They were the Brotherhood of the Wolf. Yeah, what was it? Because uh, Robert Ebert actually reviewed this. Um, what was it he used? Because he said this is an explosion of, at the genre factory, so it is true. It, it has a lot of stuff. So it involves quasi-werewolves, French aristocrats... Aristocrats, excuse me, secret societies, Iroquois, yeah, Iroquois Indians, martial arts, occult ceremonies, sacred mushrooms, swashbuckling, incestuous longings, uh, political subversion. There's a, there's a lot going on here, and that's the problem which makes this movie. Um, like I was saying to him, I was enjoying it, and then keep in mind she disliked this film for a long time like when i first showed her this almost 20 years ago she was like can't do it no can't do it and i've never watched it ever again right so i was watching it and i started enjoying it and then after there was like some key scenes there was like some really great action scenes where um we're finding out who is behind the beast and it was multiple, like, revenge scenes. It was lots of action. And it went on for a while. And then I felt like there was a resolution. And Well, you don't have to worry about spoilers here. Cause... Yeah, sure. I felt like there was a resolution. Like, I thought the movie was kind of, like, ending. <laughs> and they could have cut out, like, the last 20 minutes of it and then flashed to the end where um, Marquis. Marquis is getting hung. But we find out that in this province, this aristocracy, this family, there's a lot of secrets and there's this secret cult, which it reminds me a lot of like the old school Freemasons when you think about it. And um, keep in mind, they're religious, so it's not like a satanic so are the Freema- cult. So are the Freemasons. Well, I'm just saying, but they're not satanic, they're an actual god-fearing religion but they are not happy with the king and everything else so they've created this secret society within themselves called the brotherhood of the wolf and they're they're gonna take the system we're gonna take the system down from the inside that's that's gonna be the next one um now the one of the aristocrats uh Sons is John Francois, who is uh, portrayed by Vincent Castle. Which really cracks me up because, again, I've only seen this movie one other time, and Missy's like, I was like, I haven't seen him. I know him, and and I was like, he was the choreographer in Black Swan. He's like, yeah, "Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I actually prefer Black Swan over this, even though Black Swan kind of like got a little drawn out too. But see, I. I always understand people when they complain about some movies running too long, like we discussed King of the Monsters, how some of the things could have Lord been Lord of the Rings, where they just can't pick a fucking ending. <sighs> no, you know, yeah. that's the thing, though. Like, I'm sorry, Return of the... No, the third one. The, the What's the third one? Return of the King? Yeah, that's the one that just won't fucking end. It just keeps going and going they, they had and to see, going. But they had to see Frodo off, you know? And then, well, Frodo went home, and then he died. Like, it's like, here comes the fucking elves to put him out to pasture. Literally, let's put you on a fucking raft and float you away. See, I don't feel that way about this film, because this film, every part of it is important. No, see, the end, no. 
Yeah, because you even at the very, very end, when you have Franzak and Marianne, who is uh, Vincent Castle's character's sister... Vincent Castle, Vincent Castle wants to fuck her. Right, like, well, that's... An, yeah, yeah, that's down towards the end of the movie, where we find out that... The, the thing is, here's the thing. John Francois used to is a gay big game hunter. He went to Africa, uh, had a tanglement with a lion that ripped up his arm pretty good. However, he had been posing as just one arm, like he posed like it was just not there. Uh, so he'd makeshift this gun that he used with silver bullets that he created. That was his signature bullet. That plays a big part in the film uh, with uh, Manny and you know just in general. But he's also an instrumental part of this secret society because he brought back a, a lion with some cubs and they raised one of the cubs to be vicious and they've actually taken upon themselves to create this like armor around it. And it's like grown into him. You know how like when it, you see people who abuse dogs and they yeah. have the collar so tight that it like grows into their skin? That's basically what happens to this lion. That yeah, they... so they, they've made this creature into like a battle creature. It's got like these spiky shell on its back. And it's got these sort of like metal blades near the mouth where when it attacks its victims it's really doing a lot of damage. Not just by biting with its own teeth. But... Right. Uh, but Castle's character is the one that controls this thing, and later on, Franz discovers this is happening. Not so much with Franz, uh, Castle at first, but they learn through another attack that, yeah, there's a man involved with this creature, so we already start to learn that everything is not as it seems with the, what's going on. And, of course, while some of the higher-ups want this shit to go away... That's why they sent the man from Paris to come back, and I forgot what he was. He was an archduke or something yeah. that came back from Paris, and he invented the fake beast and and asked, um, what's his face, de, de, de Fransac, to to taxidermy a fake beast. So when all that happened. They were kind of putting a pin in it. The people, like the aristocracy, who really people. It's who like were, a cover up, but they were they were also uh, there was another guy later on. I don't know where he fit in with all that, but you remember he was the one that showed Franzek the red book, the that's little Bible. The guy. No, it's a different dude. No, it's the same guy who came and. No, it's a different yeah, dude. Different okay. dude. It is. You just he had the he just had a wig on. No, it's a different dude. He was fatter. But anyway, uh, they are aware of some of the shit going on on the underside of this, where like they know there's people conspiring against them. They just don't know how or where. So there's also this other side thing where you have this woman, uh, Sylvia, played by Monica Bellucci, who is posing as a, a prostitute in a brothel, which gets to know Franz like pretty well. Uh, she's behind the scenes as like an assassin who is searching out this as well. So we discover that later on with her and how she plays her part. Um, the cool thing about this movie is, like we say, it brings a lot of different elements. Uh, Mark Dasascos, who has been involved in martial arts for years, is fantastic in this as Manny. 
Uh, there's a lot of great fight choreography in this. Great. The fight problem scene. is this came out not too long after the Matrix, so they really, really utilized all that slow-mo fancy slow mo camera work, and that turned all of the fight scenes into extended fight scenes. Although Neko has not seen the actual deleted scenes on that DVD because there's that fight scene in the rain. It actually goes on for almost another 10 minutes because Mark isn't the only one that fights him. Now, apparently, in the, the extended version, uh, Franzak gets off and joins the battle. Yeah, I'm not interested. So This is the well, problem with that film is the editing is necessary. Why do you, That's why there are editors in movies, editors in papers, editors in magazines. If this was fucking Sex in the City, she wouldn't bitch Sex in the bit. City is a 20-minute long episode. No, I'm talking about the movies. If they were this long, you'd be like, oh! No, because I feel like there are parts of both movies. There's the second movie, I think, really turned Samantha's character into a caricature of herself. She was hysterical, yeah. But they don't give Samantha... They don't address anything that ever happened to her. No, I, we're not going into Sex and the City. I'm not, not, not feeling like bitching right now. But my, my problem with this movie is... You lose me. And you saw, like, the last 30 minutes, I paid no attention because it doesn't get wrapped up. And then I started watching in the last, like, five minutes because, what's-his-face, the archer, whatever, like, the older guy who was the younger kid in the aristocracy, and he's the one getting hanged now, he's... Like, I never saw DeFrontac or Marianne again, and I really hope that they did take that, that ship and they went to Africa and blah, 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 blah. There, there's, like, a whole bunch of boring crap before that that could just get cut out. It really could. I'm fine with it. This movie is still, like, one of my top favorites of all time, no matter where she lands on it. But she did enjoy it more this time than she did the first time. Which is good. That's like saying something. Well, that I I was watching it and actually paying attention for a while because I've never watched it again. You have to remember, it's been the first time since I met him that I watched it, and I remember being really irritated watching it, thinking it's way too long. It's longer than Lord of the Rings or any of those shitty movies. Um. And in the trilogy or The Hobbit, like, it was way too overdone. It's, they just overdid it. And if they would have taken the time to be a little bit more... Yeah, but I want the, I want the Snyder Cut of it. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) It basically is a Snyder Cut. I mean, you got, you said you had the director's cut, so what's that going to be, another hour and a half? Well, no, well, no, I don't know what, I, I ordered the collector's, uh... Edition that's getting made up. Oh, um, oh, wow. Blu-ray. Well, so I'm, really, hmm. I'm really happy about that. Yeah, but you are. I don't know if it's gonna have any more footage of it in what we already got. It's just gonna be spiced up a bit. I think for me, and I, I really see this. I um, it it's got a lot going for it, but because it just gets messy at the end, it doesn't get a clear, concise ending until you get to the end when he's getting hung. They're trying to wrap things up, but they're trying to wrap everything up about everything that ever happened 
to every person and you don't need to do that. I mean, there we see movies all the time where you're just dropped in the middle of people's lives and you just kind of have to get on the same page. Well, I think but with this, they keep trying to overdo it. They want to over explain it and you don't need that. And you don't need the 15 minutes worth of fighting for every fight scene. You don't. And they it wasn't did. Well, it wasn't. They cut that stuff out. That's what I'm saying. The first fight was still very long, and then the, the last couple of fights were very long, too. That, no. Okay, see, now she's out for rocker. See, when you have fight scene with martial arts, you want them to be longer, because that's the best part of the fucking movie. Well, I, I thought the best part of the movie is that it, it's a secret society, and it's this amazing movie with this amazing plot, it is. and it's amazing. It is amazing. See, now she's just trashing it for the hell of it. But I'm, that's not, okay. I'm not trashing it. I thought this movie could be so much better if somebody who has any kind of producing or editing skills, if they took it and they tightened it up a little bit. I, 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 I thought it was fine. That's, that's the problem. It's, like, it's subjective to everybody. To me, the movie's fine the way it is. I don't have any problems with it. I can't even remember what happened the last 20 minutes of the movie. That's how bad the endings are. I can't remember what happened fucking flash dance. I mean, that's just how it is. And that movie's not near as long as this one. Nevertheless, still one of my favorites. Ain't going away anytime soon. Uh, See, it says it's two hours and 32 minutes, and it feels like it's three hours and 32 nah, minutes. Nah, 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 The Departed seemed longer than that. Yeah, I think The Departed is longer than that. <laughs> Yeah, see too much shit going on in Departed, see? Yeah, it's, well, it's a much better well, I tell movie. you, take a body to the mosh, you, you take, take the, the body, body to, to the mosh. mosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be my pick next week again. Okay. <laughs> what is the runtime? Two hours and 31 minutes. They're both very... But see, I also agree with The Departed, too, at, at the end. I think they tried to do too much shit, because after Frank got shot... It was like we had to do this, then we had to do that. You could have cut out a few things. Um, but see, again, it's so enjoyable. I just don't like if you have a movie that you can sit into, and this is why the Potters and the Lord of the Rings are fine with me because they might be long, but I enjoy every bit of it. I don't. Of those two, I, I, I'm not. You know, I'm not a wizard and well, fantastical. You, you person. have to be. You have to like the subject matter, but I mean. But what what I, I meant, I mean, I think the Departed does have a director's cut, and it's probably even longer. But what I was trying to say is, you know, Frank gets shot, and then you've got all kinds of shit that goes on after Frank gets shot, and then at the end, um, Colin gets shot. Like, there, there, you can tighten it up a little bit, because, I don't know. Anyway, bro, that's all I meant, is the end, the last, like, 20 minutes of Brotherhood of the Wolf, they just try to squeeze too much story into 20 minutes, and they could tighten it up a little bit and make the whole movie better overall, because I like the concept. I like that they're starting with, uh, De Archer as an older man and he wants to tell the truth about what was happening in his province and how corrupt it was and how you know I like that because it's a good idea and then well they probably could have mixed both him walking 
you know, through the, the villagers and Franzak and Marianne on the ship. They could have kind of like... No, no, I'm just talking about... I, I think they tried to... Um... Well, there were so many, so many pivotal characters, and I think this is why they did this. You even think of the Cecily, uh, the young girl that was like the witch or whatever she was. We don't even need to know what happened to her. She could just But disappear. we kind of do because Why? she's always played a part in what's going on. She was the like an instigator uh, with Manny. She was a big part of why Manny died. That That's a spoiler there. <laughs> yeah, Manny dies. But, um, and it pisses everybody the, it, off. It, 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 it pisses the Franzac off a pisses lot. Pisses me off too. Missy and I are both like, yeah, we don't like this scene too much. I was like, I don't like this. I don't like that he dies. But we like that Franzak goes and whips some ass. And he puts his, his warrior paint on just like... Man, yeah. And see, even like the prostitution scenes and stuff in the whorehouse, they're all really good at the beginning. Everything's really funny and tight and great. I just... After that final battle with... um. The Franzak and all of them. I feel like after that, it just kind of like is a slow fizzle. They need to tighten it. I don't know. I I, I like it. No, that's it. Fine. Wonderful. Great. <laughs> I I kind of have to need. I need some of those things sometimes. I think like when people complain a little bit about like Godzilla and Kong, like not having enough. I understand some of that because. It, there's a give and take. King of the Monsters, we thought there was too much. Godzilla and Kong, not enough. Uh, in this movie, I, I don't know how I'd react if I, if it just ended after DeFranza kills uh, Vincent Castle's character. Like, I just, I don't know. What actually happens? I don't remember. Well, you remember the, uh, the who was the main uh, Pope guy that was there, the Reverend or whatever it was, he was running... Sardis, Sardis, is that his the, name? The Cardinal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's running, and there was, like, this moment where... <laughs> it, 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 there's a lot of, like, pivotal <clears throat> pivotal moments in this movie where the imagery... Like, there's, like, just... Like, the wolves chasing him down and devouring him is, like, basically it, their way of getting back at what he had started with this uproar of, like, killing the wolves because of what he created with his monster. and I mean, yeah, he could have left uh, DeFranzak and Marianne to ship stuff off, or... No, I'm okay with that. I, but, like, I don't even remember the wolf scene, like, of him being eaten by the wolves. That's how unimportant well, it was to me. Well, after DeFranzak had interrupted our little group meeting, mm-hmm. you know, some of them were caught by the cops who were there also to, to bring him in, but the cardinal had run off. After telling Vincent Castle, kill him. You know, he's, he's off. And, you know, the wolves finally got to him. They, they, you know, they, the police thought they would catch up with him, but the wolves got to him first. And then, of course, Cecile, or Cecile, she ended up getting killed by Sylvia, the assassin, who, you know, that was closure on that. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't know, I, I, you know, maybe, the, the maybe. other cool thing about, and this is going back to some of the fighting, was, you know, Vincent Castle's character had that sweet-ass bone sword mm-hmm. that would, like, kind of come apart a little bit like a whip, and it was pretty sweet. Uh, of course, he, we found out he does have an arm. It's just very mangled and ugly looking. This is, of course, 
shortly after he rapes and almost kills Marianne. His sister. Yeah. He had a big crush on her, apparently. <laughs> I think... And I'm not comparing the two movies because this is a superior movie. But, um, you know, the, the Hunger Games trilogy? Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like, okay, the first movie, it's a decent movie. Second movie, it's okay. Third movie, I feel like, was just to make it end. And I feel like that's what they did with the last ending of this. It's like they, they were just trying to make the movie end and they couldn't make it end nicely. Now granted, this is a far superior movie than all three of them. I just hate that the ending makes me hate this movie because like two hours and ten minutes into the movie I'm fist pumping and then the ending is just so I mean, they could have cut out some of the dialogue. I'm not even talking about cutting out. I'm just... It's, it just doesn't complete the movie. It's not done well. I feel like they just said, let's end the movie. And this is what we're going to do. And it was almost like an afterthought to them, how they were going to wrap up the movie. And then the rest of it was just so good. That's what that's what irritates me. I feel like they put all this work into the beginning of the movie and all the like cinematography and the fight choreography and they've got all these like big surprises and reveals and secret societies and incest just like Roger Ebert said. But then the very like last 15 20 minutes are just low effort. And that's that's See, I don't even think that. I think again if I was to shorten that film there are scenes with like the hunting with the wolves um or um what was the other one i was thinking of that when defron's like i got arrested after killing the hunters uh you know the whole jail scene yeah that was kind of dumb too i I think that's kind of like where it starts to like i that's why i'm saying just tighten it up a little bit pick some pick some other scenes to but I don't think it was necessarily the ending that was like wrong. I just think if you're if you're if you're talking about time and just cutting out it's, some dead it's, weight, it's time. But it's also like I I just sometimes I feel like I I watched the movie and I was very engaged until a point, and that's just kind of when it clicked in my head. I'm like, this is why I hate this movie, and it, it just never felt like it was a good conclusion. If you know what I mean, that would that's just my opinion. It's I feel like almost like a letdown. Like it was this really really great movie, and it has the ending that we want, except for when what's his face get, gets hanged. But you're you're expecting that anyway from the beginning, you know. But all it just doesn't feel like I don't know. It doesn't feel like a conclusion to me. Conclusion. It's, uh, well, it seems like a jump to conclusion, Matt, for me, so I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not hating on it because I, I appreciated it more this time, and I would probably still give it a good, like, 7 out of 10 if maybe I should watch the ending first and then, like, the last 20 minutes first and then rewind it and watch the beginning all the way through the end and maybe I'll like feel better about it because I think maybe it's losing me at the end and that's that's what I mean I feel like well there is two things at play here one is we started that movie kind of late and as the night goes on you do get tired because you've been working all day and whatnot I don't know 
It may have to be like something like a Sunday or a day that you're not doing anything else, and it's during the day when we're more wide awake that you can just sit. The next time I watch it, we're gonna fast forward. You know how it has like the chapters on the DVDs. You just get a scene, yeah. We're gonna hit the last like four chapters. Watch it because I already know what's gonna happen. Watch that so I can really soak it in and then start over from the beginning and watch it so that I maybe I'll change my mind. And I don't mind watching it again because I, um, for, for me especially because, and I can't believe this, it's only I've only seen it once, maybe twice because you were watching it and I just happened to kind of watch it well, with I used you. to watch it more regularly back in the day, but I think that's re- this is really probably the only second time you've watched mm-hmm. it before. And I, um... I just... I really got a better appreciation for the movie, and I kind of really focused on other things, like what was going on in the background, because when we started it, I just jumped right to the end. I was like, oh, that's right, the brother was the killer, and you're like, you're just gonna jump right to the end, and that's all I, like, but watching it, there's, like, lots of all these little undertones and secret things, and it was nice to watch that. That's where I, like, I'm like, this has got lots of complicated things. I'm gonna give that, like, you know, a, a nine, but then I lose it at the end and that's why I drop it down to like a seven because I lose it at the end and I'm hoping you know maybe just maybe while you're at work on Sunday and I'm laying around and maybe I'll just watch the last chapters by myself and try to focus on them because I think sometimes it could be just you you kind of burn out from watching something for so long and I know I've heard people when they were talking about the Snyder Cut you said you didn't even watch the whole thing I've heard other people say that they had to watch it like in three days like they'd watch like an hour and a half and then they stop then they watch some people watched it in full but um others were like yeah you know I did it in parts and I mean four hours is a long time to sit anywhere but (laughs) what was it Lord of the Rings or was it Harry Potter? I don't know. I don't know if I was sick. Uh, I watched uh, Lord of the Rings all in one day. And I I think I was sick that day too and I just like was laying on the couch or I was laying in bed and I'm like, it's still on. Like I'm like, this is the longest movie ever. (laughs) So she gives it a 7 out of 10. I'm still giving it a 10 out of 10 because I just love that movie so much. Hope you all enjoyed our little review. So, like, for me, Flashdance. Mm-hmm. We didn't, like, really rate it. No. And I, for me... It's I mean, a, ratings aren't that important. I, but I, this is what I mean. Like, Flashdance is also, like, a 7 out of 10 for me. But for different reasons. It's, there's lots of great things about Flashdance. And then it's just, like, a very empty movie. It's, it's got a lot of... We were talking about, like, the strong female presence and girl power. But then there's also, like, a bunch of stupid shit just thrown in there. And that's fine because it's a, a 80s movie that they never thought would take the most off interesting, anyway. The most interesting thing about what we do with this particular segment of show is that it's going to be interesting when I actually start breaking out stuff that, you know, you either have not seen or... I'm just, you know I'm not going to dig or... Well, it's not so much that. It's like, 
sometimes I'm just into movies that are, are interesting and thought-provoking. And it's not like, not we're not talking like Serbian film or Salo or anything. Yeah, I'm not going to watch that. Uh, but, you know, I have a lot of martial arts movies that I want to go back and revisit at some point. And I'm just curious how you're going to feel about that. I found that that VHS that we got to watch because I bought it when we were out. I bought this probably years ago. I left it over my mother's house. She was cleaning out and she found a a vinyl I bought and this VHS I bought for him. Um, We got to watch it. I mean, for me, a 10 out of 10 is definitely The Departed. Well, that's a great film. I agree with that rating. Um, Flashdance is more like a 3 out of 10 for me. But that's (laughs) only because I just can't find myself re-watching it that much. And I watch it all the time because I wanted to be Alex. I wanted to... But again, it's all about what you're interested in. Like, I'm just not very interested in it. I can appreciate for what it is, but it's not something I'm going to go back to. And that's what I mean. Like, Flashdance was kind of empty... It is it is a very 80s iconic movie. That's where the sweatshirt thing started. That's where you know everybody was into there were so many dance movies coming out back then and you're just like these are dance movies, you know, like that's what the 80s were. For me, it was a little bit higher than like the other dance movies. What else have we watched since we started? Do you have a list? No, but we've watched Wayne's World, Escape from New York. Um, See, I, I rate Escape from New York higher than Flashdance because it's got a little bit more, like, punch to it. Like, it moves a little faster. Even though Flashdance is only, like, an hour and a half long, I told you I thought it was, like, a two-hour-long movie because it's just kind of empty. Um, I don't even know how to rate Wayne's World. It's its own rating. I mean... <laughs> I'd probably give it an eight out of ten. It's it's so stage. it's so funny and nostalgic for me that I just you know, um, I'm gonna have to think on mine what it's gonna be for next week because we Silence of the Lambs is another one that's a ten out of ten for me. Like saying that one's still probably eight out of ten for me. Not I enjoy it, but just not as much as she does. I think I enjoy it probably too much (laughs) (laughs) so um I'm glad I watched it again and you were really kind of digging the fact that I was digging the movie a little bit you're like oh you really like it this time and I'm like I'm appreciating it more and you know when I did watch it the first time I was maybe 21 so now that I'm 40 it well, might. sometimes it takes more than one viewing for certain things, and, you know, maybe again, you have to watch it one more time just to see if you still change again. You may go back and say, nope, this is shit, don't really like it. But, you know, I've also realized with with books more than movies, because books take a little longer to kind of, like, read and digest, and it can take, like, a week to read a book, but books that I've read as a younger person, and then I go back and I read it again as an older person... Like, Anna Karenina, um, it's a movie. They have multiple movies about it, but the book is, like, four inches thick. It's very good, and but it's also a little confusing because um, of the names are very similar of all the people. So you got to pay attention. And um, 
I read it when I was younger and I thought it was this beautiful like two souls and love type thing and then as I read it when I was older I was like this dumb bitch left her husband and her kid to go have an affair with some fuck face and then threw herself in front of a fucking train she deserves what she got so it's a different perspective uh, you know on things when you age I think too I mean yeah we'll see um be All interested right. to see what you pick next. Now I'm going to have to scratch my brain and, and think of something because I don't, you know, I don't want to go back to the hits. You know all my hits. Like, the stuff that I like. I might want to try. And we have lots of stuff. And, like, you can, only, you can go into mine because I have a lot more than she does in terms of DVDs. But, yeah, you can revisit anything, really. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, I'm going to try and not do any kind of, um, I probably will try to go with a comedy next time. I've been, I was dabbling with it this time around, so I'm probably going to do a comedy my next turn. I know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to say it and I don't even know if we have it. Well, we'll see. All right, right, let's go with the music. I need one more drink before bedtime. You want another beer? Yeah. One more beer before bedtime. Look, you got me all popped up again i was tired like this is my i got riled up because she hate her hate for my movie i don't hate it (laughs) i told you i find that movie very interesting and and i i think what for you what might have helped you watching it um you know again when you had it because this was dubbed in english i think watching it when it's dubbed versus watching subtitles really can like get you into the movie easier too so you might have kind of like loved the movie for what you saw when you were watching it in a theater but when you bought the dvd and you really like absorbed well that's one of the first things i was looking for when i bought the dvd i'm like is this done? ah <laughs> well this is back in the day when you had to buy them separately it, it didn't come dubbed in and subtitles you had to have the dvd that's dubbed and oh i'm sorry you said you bought the special edition. So, what makes this special edition special? They remastered it. Do, yeah, do you get it, a poster. It, it's a poster, <gasps> Blu-ray. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna go on the wall once I get it. It's a pre-order from Shout Factory, so I'll be happy about that. But uh, yeah, so uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, definitely check it out if you haven't. I've told a lot of people about it in the past. Um, it's caught. It's actually caught on with a lot of people going that I've notice in these groups that I actually really like it so I'm have happy you, about have that. Have you told um Fat Samurai about oh, it? He knows. Oh he knows. He okay, knows they know all they about. know. Yeah. I mean I just I would picture them enjoying something. And I will like say this. and I didn't know this uh, when I looked on Rotten Tomatoes, uh both the critics and the audience liked it enough and they gave it about the same rating as like a seventy percentage range. Because it's it. it's a good movie and there's just a couple of little things that I feel, and I think you might be right. It might be, it's late, it's my mindset, and yeah, I'm going to watch the end first so that I absorb the end. Because I Or think, I just tell you, just watch half of it and then come back and watch the other half. Because the whole beginning, it, it just made, it, it made so much sense to me, and I thought it was like a really cool idea, and like... The one thing There's a lot going on with this film. I forgot to say this. The one thing I really appreciated um, was the costuming. 
the wigs, the makeup that they used, it was it was really cr kind of creative because it's really hard to do a period piece and not feel like you look at Greece and Greece is great for what it is. It's fun, it's a musical, they're dancing and but Greece was made in the 70s and it's about the 50s and it looks like a bunch of people really from the 80s doing a movie because they got their hair all teased and stuff. I appreciate Brotherhood of the Wolves. They really tried to stay true to the period of like the way they that pay people, attention to detail. Yeah. The detail. This is what I mean. I need to watch it again. I'm going to watch it though from the last like after um, after Manny dies. Sorry guys. Sorry Manny dies. After Manny dies I'm watching that until the <gasps> We didn't talk about the part where they thought he was dead, and then the bitch, um, the Italian girl, and she said, do you know why Italian husbands never cheat on their wives? Because their wives poison them a little bit every day in their food, and then when they feed them dinner, they give them the antidote, so if they don't come home, they die. When he went into the, um, the jail, and that she gave him it, and he died, and then she gave... Yeah, we talked about it. Alright. Anyway. Here's some uh, noisome to kick off our next block. Century Overload. Voice. I'm right on the hand, I'm in the power rate. Enveloped by mistake. 
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at A328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and is highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you
Alright, DJ Anubis. And DJ Neko. Getting ready to close out this episode. Hordes of Chaos on the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Hope you all enjoyed everything you heard today. I uh, had a lot of good uh, topics to talk about. Good movie reviews. I think DJ Anubis is just excited that he got me to talk about Brotherhood of the Wolf and say good things about it. Because for years, I'm like, this is the worst movie. I can't believe you like this movie so much. And then... Yeah, I like, when I was thinking about doing it, I'm like, man, I know she's not going to like this. <laughs> but, you know, she went in with an open mind, checked it out again, did like some more things about it. Still hated some things about it, but that's kind of how it goes. Isn't that my prerogative as a woman? <laughs> it's Pretty what, much. It's what we do. We're like, <sighs> so... <sighs> uh... But I'm Nick starting. always gets excited because then she's like, "I gotta go see what I gotta pick next." I know. I started going through the cabinet and I like pointed it. She's like, "Ooh, this! No, wait, this! No, this! This!" That's what I do pretty much too, though, because I'm like, "Hmm, you want this? No, maybe this." Well, I think you and I have a good rhythm, so like you kind of gave me an idea of the style of movie that you're going for for your next one. So, I don't want to go for something that's too similar as your next movie or this movie, so I want something on a different vein. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to pick, like, a romantic comedy, like, even though we we love it, The Proposal. It's the morning. I don't like that one as much. Um, Like, something, like, if we're going to go that route, um... You like What's, you like what women want well, with that, Mel Gibson. I'm thinking more of the Cameron Diaz and Christina Applegate, Summer Blair. Oh, the sweetest yeah, thing. You that love that movie. You love that. <laughs> that movie's great. Even uh, American Sweethearts is pretty good. Oh God, I I have a special place in my heart for that movie because I was really sick for a couple of days. This is probably back in 2006, and um. I was laying, this is, we had this really big chaise lounge, and I was laying on the chaise, and all, like, bundled up, and DJ Anubis comes home from work, and he's got cold medicine, and he's like, oh, look, they had this at CVS, and I had never seen America's Sweethearts, but it has, who's in it? Um, Um, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Billy Crystal... Um, uh, no, no, uh, Edward, uh, Cusack, John Cusack, um, I'm trying to think, uh, Julia Roberts, like, it's, it's got, like, a lot of really big names, and I watch it, I'm like, it just made me feel better, so every time I watch it, I just think of that really sweet moment between he and I when he was just trying to cheer me up, but it's really fucking funny. Yeah, it's a really good flick, it's funny. <laughs> like, if I can find comedies like that are funny, like, What Women Want, like, I... Literally think that's a great, funny movie. Um, Gibson and Helen Hunt are excellent in that. Even uh, the other one, um, Helen Hunt and John Jack Nicholson, that movie is, uh, is fantastic. As good as it gets? Yeah. I think that's what we should watch next week. <laughs> oh, my God. That movie is fucking great. Oh. great stuff. But it's... it's there's some it's not something I normally watch on the regular, but if I have to go that route, that those movies are different. There's just some really sweet parts about it, too. Oh, so <clears> many <throat> ideas. This is one of my favorite things to do is, is 
talk about movies and music with you and I'm glad you incorporated this DVD vault thing because now we can like you know we can kind of go through all of our old movies that we've been collecting for years yep and we're gonna keep doing it we're gonna keep at it until we run out all right, folks. Well, we'll keep you updated on all the YouTube stuff that we might be doing. Um, I'm really happy for you. Follow us up on Facebook. And uh, we're going to get out of here. It's been a long evening, so... Mm-hmm. We got some... That's my bad. No, it's just, you know, she's... You know, it is late, actually. This is the latest we're usually up. Usually we're not... We're usually done like 9 o'clock. Well, we started... At like 6.45. So it's been a good four hour show. So enjoy, please. Yep. You gotta kick off here with uh, Spell Forger. We're not kicking it off. We're closing it out. Kicking it off going to bed. Kicking kicking off my bedtime. (laughs) (laughs) Kicking weaning it off. Spell Forger. Oh, that's another one. Lord of Possession. Have a good night. Good night. Thank you for listening.